This program deals with devil worship and satanic beliefs. It contains explicit scenes and descriptions of violent crimes and rituals. Americans are asking who attacked our country. You have declared a subliminal jihad against the United States. Can you tell us why? Everything pertaining to what's happening has never come to the surface. The world will never know the true facts of what occurred, my motives. And night fell on a different world. And Iblis is thinking, you know, I should be getting this position, not Adam, and this guy is created from dirt. And how does the army feel about you being head of the Temple of Set? And the conspiracy theorists can say what they will. But... I want you to give me power over Adam. And I want you to give me soldiers and minions and all of these things. But he has, but he has so much to gain and has such a material motive for putting me in a position I'm in. We'll never let the truth back some of our boards to the, to the world. And I want you to be able to give me the ability to whisper into the hearts of mankind. And uh, who was the grotto leader? Don't remember his name. You don't remember the name of a person who involved you in murder? Now these people are in very high position, Jack. Welcome back to Subliminal Jihad, episode 118. I am your co-host, Dimitri. I'm Khalid. And today, we're back once again with Grotto Truth Q&A series. Number you know, 15. Number 15. XP. Crazy that we've done 15 of these. It is. So it that means we've done like 15 months of SJ. That's so crazy. Anyway. It's probably been a little longer because I feel like we let maybe five or six weeks elapse here and there. Yeah. We're probably. trying our hardest to... Yeah. work our way through and we're now basically in the in the the early fall of 2021's questions okay, yeah. today but yes. once again this has that happened wasn't so long ago <laughs> it wasn't so it feels like a million years ago right yes but it does once again the strangest thing happens where i swear we like we don't curate these we're still going in order we're we're not curating them maybe occasionally i think maybe we bumped up like a dugan question when the war started yeah we did but mostly it just it still unfurls relatively but that um, question was still like on the docket pretty much like you know it You're was right it like was on the docket questions for... away yeah we exactly just... it was like we we moved it up in the order of that day yes but yes not, uh not, no i think uh, it's good i think it's you know I, I think that it's uh i mean we just like some of the questions we've just taken our proper time to like address the uh, all the nuances. Uh, well, some of know, them have aged like a fine happening. wine. I yeah, think. no, I think and I think it works out pretty well. I mean, my one thing is like I hope that like the people who ask the questions like are still listening to receive the answer. But I mean, I think that true. Uh, hey, even if they drop the Patreon, way. these are still public episodes. True. Yeah, they so. still will get their answer. You know, yeah, so you get they, your money's right. worth. I guess on that's SG. true. Yeah. And uh, for those who are are new listeners or do not know how this works. Basically, these are questions from the Grotto of Truth Discord, which anyone can access by signing up for our Patreon. And there's a question sub-tab. And if you ask a question, now bracketed with the term yeah. SJ questions, so we can actually find it. Yes. We will answer Because it people in these ask questions in general and questions, and rather than like try to police that behavior, like we just <laughs> instituted the system of just putting sj questions in like parentheses or brackets or whatever or sorry sj question in parentheses or brackets yes sj question exactly that is how we will find it so we can control f your yeah exactly Mm -hmm. yeah but i think you know we're gonna see some synchronicities abounding today which uh, i'm always excited about 
you know, ones that we couldn't have planned for, but it turns out, you know, some of these questions, it is the perfect time to be asking them. So I guess without further ado, let's jump in. I guess I'll read the first question and I'll probably primarily field it. Yeah, is more. Uh, anyway, yeah. Well, I'll read it. It's uh, okay. Yeah, you read what it. La Buffera uh, slash TT Boy asks on uh, August 15th, 2021. Any recs for stuff to do or see in LA? And he also asked, ditto for the Bay, especially from an SJ angle. Yeah, hopefully mm-hmm. he's still, you know, his vacation to California hasn't passed yet. But, uh, <laughs> you know, if he's planning on making another yeah. trip, yeah, I don't Well, there wouldn't it, have been much so. to see in the fall of 2021 because shit was still locked down. So, in a way, yeah. you know, it's it's uh, good timing right, that yeah. we're getting to it, it was now. It's very serendipitous that, yeah, he probably postponed his whole trip and now it's coming up, you know, the new date is coming up. Um, yes, they probably. have a good window here before monkeypox, <laughs> you know, takes over. Oh, right. Yeah, I'm hoping that monkeypox, uh, nothing, you know, bad happens with that. I've, uh, yeah. Yeah. But. So, I mean, stuff to do and see in L.A. I feel like this is one of those questions that I sort of dread because it like never occurs to me until somebody asks. And then I'm like, uh, and then I feel weird because I feel like I don't do enough stuff in LA, but you're like in this big city, you know, it's that whenever you live in a big city, I feel like it's like that. Like New York is similar, but okay. Maybe from, if we apply like from an SJ angle to both of these, uh, questions, these sub questions here. Um, I don't know. Going in LA, uh, I think if you want to see some of the stuff, maybe that like some of the places that we've talked about before, I suppose I could definitely recommend going to the Troubadour, which is still there, which of course was a central node for the kind of sus Laurel Canyon hippie country rock scene of the 1970s. It is, of course, where the Eagles. Uh, first you know played and got their start i would recommend that i mean it's very close by to the sunset strip um just north of it's on santa monica and uh sus doheny basically Mm -hmm. um yeah i mean you could always go to the cecil hotel or oh uh, of course joshua tree where (laughs) you could go to joshua tree uh, yeah where the eagles saw their sus eagle on peyote and graham parsons uh hunted for ufos and then died under mysterious circumstances Mm -hmm. you know i i would recommend like the troubadour over say like the whiskey a go-go which is still there but i feel like it's been lame for decades and like the the actual sunset strip part with like the viper room is still there the roxy the rainbow room i mean if you want to go to like a sus time capsule go to the rainbow room on sunset boulevard because you'll see like 50 year old dudes in like leather pants with like slash top hats on like like it's this weird place where the kind of 80s like never died and (laughs) you know like that's that's where so many famous rockers like used to party and fucking hang out and you know that that little stretch of sunset is now home to like a bunch of bougie kind of new age nightclubs that like rappers like Justin Bieber go to and like the Soho mm-hmm. house is over there. Soho house yeah. kind of sus. And you know, <laughs> that that's interesting to see kind of for a historical, like, I don't know, for historical reasons, but the troubadour is still like kind of um, a little bit, it's not that different from the way it was maybe in the seventies or eighties or nineties and real bands, uh, you know, do go through there. You could also catch a bite to eat next door of the troubadour at Dantana's, 
which is the location that inspired the Eagles hit Lion Eyes Mm -hmm. because Glenn Fry and his buddy were hanging out watching these beautiful young kept women uh, go to dinner at Dantana's with these like old goblin-y, <laughs> like rich LA people. And they realized that I think somebody literally said to Glenn Fry, like, man, she can't hide those lion eyes. <laughs> and <he's> like, <laughs> and I got it. it. That's a song, you know? Yeah. So, okay, there's that. Yeah. And um, I mean, if, like if you're gay then it steps away from WeHo on Santa Monica Boulevard which is a whole scene um unto its mm-hmm. own very intense scene but you know I live more on the east side so I try not to go to the west side that much because it's like overpriced and just kind of sus um <laughs> but yeah if you want to go downtown I would say the uh, the Cecil Hotel is there I yeah. wouldn't necessarily recommend staying there I think it's called Stay on Main now, but I, I mean, I'm pretty sure it's still open. But if you want to walk around kind of the edges right, of Skid yeah. Row and, you know, uh, gaze upon the human misery and tragedy of this like supposedly wealthy country that we live in, um, <laughs> you can do that. You know, if you want to be a little basic, you could hike up to the Griffith Park uh, Observatory, which, you know, I haven't really been inside of it since before COVID, but it's got like a planetarium and stuff and it's very art deco. And I feel like there's like weird sus, like Masonic. It sounds like there would be, yeah, like any planetarium is sus. I'm just going to put it out there. No, (laughs) for real. is, well, you know, it's like a, you know, sus people gravitate towards planetariums because they love to look at the stars and like try to commune Uh with light beings or, you know, do astrology or worship. Another, uh, yeah, another place to uh, check out maybe is, or really can just drive by it, but on Franklin and like Normandy, uh, I used to live very close to this place, but that is where the Dr. Hodel house is the like aztec house of horrors basically like it jumps out at you when you drive by it it looks like a spooky like legends of the hidden temple kind of mansion i forget it was like frank lloyd Wright or his son uh was the architect for it Hmm. but uh but you can uh, witness that and i'm probably like leaving out other shit i've always wanted to go actually i haven't been there yet but if you really want to go on like a weird hike there is a place called Murphy Ranch in the Santa Monica Mountains that is kind of, it's not very well known. And you have to like hike up like a deserted like fire road, like miles to like get to it. And I think some of it has been demolished, but that is uh, where the Manson family kind of hung out for a little while in the late 60s. And before that, what's really interesting is it has kind of like this infrastructure. It's got a big water tank and like some barns and stuff. And it was actually the secretive compound of the silver shirts in the 1930s. Oh, wow. That's yeah. That is a right? good You've talked about them location. on You Can't Win, Yeah, and You win, Can't right? Win. I was on their silver shirts episode. Yeah, right. What was his name? Uh, Francis William Parker William Dudley Pelly. Oh, William well, Dudley Pelly. That's yeah. right. I don't know who that is. Yeah, I think he, he, was, did he was a writer. I think I think yeah. Francis Bergiaki was either also a Nazi or an author who wrote a book about silver shirts. But huh, yeah, okay. but that and that was actually raided and shut down by the FBI in like 1940 or 41. And then mm-hmm. it was sort of derelict for a number of years. And then just so happened like the Manson family, like 
found out about it and decided wow. to move their posse there. I didn't realize that connection. There. That is interesting. Mm-hmm. That it yeah, is, the Manson family and William Dudley Pelly had the same hideout. That is interesting. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, yeah. So yeah. if you look that up, I think it's called Murphy Ranch. Um, you could check that out and that's very sus you could also i don't know uh check out the the biltmore hotel in downtown los angeles is allegedly haunted that one's like less dangerous than the cecil it's like a fancy (laughs) hotel but it's still haunted apparently and yeah i mean there's uh there's all kind of little sus corners and and nooks and crannies in la but the bay area real quick i would just throw out like a few locations that i would direct an sj head to the first one, I would say if you're going to go to San Francisco, a, a really an awful city where they're shitting on the streets, folks. Yeah. Um, and it's just like it's an open air drug market. But it really <laughs> is kind of an open air. Like, like they're not 100 percent wrong. Like they, they exaggerated. <laughs> but like the tenderloin since I was a child, like the tenderloin has been this like zone of susness and like misery at like this skid row thing that the the cops almost kind of like courting it off so that people can just do whatever they want. So there's like drugs, prostitution, like there are people shitting in the streets all the time. And right. it's also like this overpriced like tech hell now. Like I've I used to love San Francisco growing up, but now I have a lot of issues with it. And mm-hmm. I don't really go there whenever I go up to the Bay Area anymore. But I did around the time that we started SJ back right. in twenty twenty. I was mm-hmm. up there for a while and one day, I, I think around the time we were recording the first, uh, the Aquino episodes, I d- took a little day trip over there. And the two places I would say, like one neighborhood that I always do kind of have like a special, has a special place in my heart is North Beach, the Italian neighborhood, which uh, is kind of like in the kind of heart of San Francisco. I think it's like sort of north of the financial district. Mm-hmm. And that will at least give you like going back to like Hank Harrison and like the sus beatniks and city lights bookstore is there, which has pretty, it's pretty interesting. stuff. I mean, if you want to get some old like sus, like Stuart brand, like Allen Ginsberg type shit, you could always go to city lights and there's like all the old timey, like strip clubs and Italian restaurants and like mob hangouts and shit like that. And so, you know, if I had to direct you to one neighborhood with a clean conscience, it would be that one. I guess you could go to Haight-Ashbury, too. Of course, that's very, like, touristy, touristified, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but you see, if you want to buy your, like, Grateful Dead, you know, <laughs> tie-dye posters or something or, you know, your patchouli. But the other thing about North Beach is it's not too far away from a certain somebody's house that is still there on Leavenworth oh, yeah. Street. Right, now, yeah. I just want to make clear, like, do not go yeah. to Michael Aquino's house and harass uh, Lilith or yeah. anybody else that's living there. Right. You know, SJ is not endorsing that, but I did drive yeah, by it uh, anybody, in 2020. Yeah. No harassing. Yes. I did take some pictures. I, I did act like an MIB and, like, took some pictures of it. <laughs> and it's still there. I mean, it's like a black, I think it's painted, like, charcoal like dark gray or black or something like it's not Mm. most of these old houses in san francisco are very brightly colored like very bright victorian and this one just kind of stands out as like this dark like castle and Mm. uh yeah that's on leavenworth (laughs) street so you know you can drive by that but don't linger too long and the other place i would recommend that's kind of interesting in san francisco is the presidio now, mm. if you just want to go on like a spooky hike by the ocean <laughs> right. bluffs, uh, you can go out there and you can also see there's a number of these World War II bunkers that are still there that 
like some of them are easy to kind of access, but they're they're all covered in graffiti. I also I took a lot of pictures when I went there a couple of years ago and I found you know, maybe not like an overwhelm, not like the majority of the graffiti was like satanic, but I did find satanic <laughs> graffiti there, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, especially in some of the more I climbed down into one that had like a fence around it and it was extremely creepy. Like mm-hmm. it was down kind of into the earth, almost subterranean. And right. there, I'm remembering I did, like the Geraldo. Was it Geraldo? Where yeah. they like found the, they're like, look at this satanic graffiti and like people. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of or it was everywhere. that it was that VHS movie. I think I sent you that was like a, like a, a guide for policemen to like oh, find satanic yes, cults. Right, and he was walking right, around yeah. the Presidio and he pointed mm-hmm. that there was like a huge chalk sigil of like the temple of set, like on yeah. the ground. And I'm like, Okay, like so, my obviously Michael Aquino is like running around with his friends and his acolytes, like doing, yeah. and then of course oh, the Presidio like, scandal. You yeah, no, was it, it a pentagram or was it like what setian? It, it was it was, was a it? type of it was a type of pentagram, but it was like specific to, and I think the guy identified it was like now this belongs to the Temple of Set, a local San Francisco cult, and below he didn't. Uh, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Well, you know these like eighties police people. Like, I know. They I just know. fucking say. I you know it's kind of. I like forget if it was on target Islam or not. Experts. But yeah. Yeah, I, I feel it was like on their pentagram is just a normal. I mean, I actually still have my Temple of Set medallion from my experiment <laughs> uh, getting admitted to the Temple of Set, uh, and yeah. I can confirm it's like a pretty normal looking pentagram. At least on that, you know, it's like your standard uh, no, circle pentagram. Yeah. Like inverted um, with a circle around it. Yeah. Yes. Um, I forget if it had like a trapezoid and like numbers around it or something. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but the other interesting thing about, so if you go by the ocean, you can walk around see these spooky bunkers and like it's always foggy and mysterious at the Presidio. But then if you go to like the main heart of the campus there, you know, I almost forgot because we just did our Disney episode. I forgot that you know, the other connection between Aquino and Disney is that Disney ended up buying or really inheriting Aquino's former workplace, the Presidio, because they bought it from George Lucas when they bought Mm -hmm. him out. Yeah. So now it's like a weird, like Disney campus, (laughs) like in the heart of it, that used to be a military base and like the home of PSYOPs and then (laughs) Michael Aquino's like a sus, like daycare, uh, the daycare center that mysteriously burned down and like, Right, the, you know, Walpurgis knocked or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So you could check that out, and um, and yeah, and I guess the last I shouted it out a few episodes ago, but because I feel like slight hesitate. I mean, by all means, buy books at City Lights, but if you want the SJ, the true SJ, like Library of Alexandria, you got to go to Mo's Books in Berkeley on Telegraph Avenue because they got like four stories of like it feels like it just like this overflow of books from like the university, which is right up the street and just all the kind of like granola freaks that have like lived in Mm -hmm. Berkeley over the decades. But like any, all these books on like mysticism, the occult, like all kinds of, you know, really cheap old novels and stuff. But that's where I got my Ray alien book. And, you know, I even, I found like, I found a book that was like a catalog of like the history of Freemasonry in California. Mm-hmm. And I bought it because I thought I would find Michael Aquino's grandfather. But then I realized I bought volume two, which is only Southern California. Uh, I, was really pissed <laughs> I spent like $25 on it. <laughs> but whatever, you know, it's still quite good. Like you can get just, and like tons of a, a not insignificant amount of like Marxist and like, you know, communist like literature as well. Though actually, if you really want that type of stuff, you got to go down the street into one of the parking garages. You will find tucked away 
Revolution Books, which is run mm-hmm. by the Revcom Avakian people. And that <laughs> is where I bought like four volumes of like Stalin's writings that were like <laughs> nice. published in China in like 1974. Word. Yeah, that are actually pretty cool looking and stuff. And then like some Mao things. Um, but you will be asked to like go to protests uh, uh, if you go yeah, in there. Yeah, that's a problem with interacting with that particular type of Marxist where they're like, hey, like, are you communist? Like, do you want to come to like our thing? Do you want to sign up for like a million things? Yeah. Yeah, it's really what kind of kept me from being like a full tanky for many years was like when I was a teenager, I'd go to Berkeley and I'd like go into um, Revolution Books, which back then had just a huge portrait of Stalin. Like, <laughs> Nice. <laughs> next to a huge portrait, like it had Lenin, Stalin, and Mao, like these huge portraits oh, and stuff. And I was not like fur pilled back then, so I was like, "Why do you have Stalin thing?" <laughs> whatever. But right. it was funny. I think when I was in there, that they, they were hosting a kind of like uh, a conversation gathering kind of event, and there were like three or four people that had attended, and the guy on the microphone was just like complaining that like more people didn't show up the whole time. Uh, and, like, music, yeah openly mad about it very and, typical i mean not okay. to say like if you if you want to like there's worse things to be than like a like spartacist type person although they're like trotskyist right uh but yeah, i think so uh, yeah yeah I've, I've run the, into them before yeah yeah as have i um but i mean you know i'm not trying to demean uh doing that but it can be like you know yeah yeah, I mean, uh, the Re- Revcom, yeah, there's worse yeah. things to be than a Revcom and believe in BA, but like, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> that's a um, thing for another day. But yeah, those are those are just a few things I would uh, I would recommend to keep your eye on if you're out in any of these uh, sus places in California. Word. Okay. Yeah, I think that was pretty now, good overview. Yeah, that's a yeah. whole docket of things to do. They say this place is evil. But that ain't why I stay Cause I found something that'll never be nothing And I found it in L.A. It was midnight in Topanga I heard the DJ say There's a full moon arising Join me
All right. Okay, so now we come to question number two. Okay. And this is kind of a big one. Mm-hmm. We're going to spend a little time on this. And yeah. this is one where the, the synchronicity radar is just like screaming, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's off the charts, basically. Okay. Yeah. So Jolly and Rancher asked on August 25th, 2021, question for the hosts. What's your take on the 2016 Gothard based tunnel opening ceremony in Switzerland? Intense and elaborate occult themes for the opening of a railway tunnel. Yeah. Yes. No, I remember like you putting this on like when I was staying with you in LA, like like I guess at the time that yeah, twenty sixteen, what yeah happened. Yeah, I mean, I guess this does have like occult themes. I mean, the oh, yeah. most like significant uh, is probably like the appearance of. I mean, I want to like qualify it a little bit because I do feel like since it was such a big conspiracy topic or like it's one of those things where I almost feel like it's almost like Marina Abramovich in a way like is there are there like I think actually there are more occultic themes in Marina Abramovich's art so that's not really a good comparison although I don't think that she's like you know so uniquely interested in the occult is in terms of like you know, uh, performance art or modern art in general. Like, I don't think that she's like a really a standout figure, but it's kind of like when she sort of burst into the popular consciousness around the Pizzagate stuff and the spirit cooking. But that's almost more of an... Yeah, Yeah. I know. It's more of an indictment of like performance art being satanic. Yeah. Like in general than it is. Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah. Well, but I feel like in this case, like there's two things going on. One, I feel like, is that people don't, like, uh, you know, people, especially in the United States, like, don't have, like, an appreciation for how, like, weird European, like, a theater can be. Because I feel like a lot of these, uh, like, opening ceremonies are weird as shit. Uh, you know, I was just remembering and looking up, like, relative to this question, the 2004 Athens Olympics opening ceremony, which is mm. also very weird in, like, somewhat similar ways in a lot of cases. And another thing that I think is weird is, or another thing that I think that contributes to it is kind of, like, the fact that this is to do with, like, the Alps. Uh, you know, this tunnel, like, runs under the Alps, uh, yep. right? It's, like, the world's deepest, longest tunnel. Kind um, of like a, kind of like a cave yeah right it's a gateway to hell yeah exactly it's a cave and there's like lots of caves and you know caves and mountains are like uh historically speaking like throughout the all of human history like big sites for uh the sort of uh, the numinous or like the the maybe the occult or their uh you know places that ritual activity like gravitates to and that there's an air of mystery about maybe so there's a lot of like weird stuff around them and the alpine culture i think sort of keep like you know the one of the most prominent aspects of this uh although there's many uh is that like there's a big role given to like a little goat man who like runs around yep. you know he's like like, like i'm a goat man like bleh. and like he's kind of like evil you know i will Remind say you that, of anybody yeah, yeah i mean he's like i mean he really is a satanic figure um he's pan. because he's basically pan yeah more or less he is in fact I would almost say that he's probably, this is something funny that I thought of. People actually at the time connected this to like CERN, which I guess is kind of near this tunnel. And that's also something that like people are obsessed with the sort of occultic potentialities of. Yeah. But, you know, I feel like really if you wanted to like name that horned entity, he would be Cernuos, right? The like the horned god of like uh, sort of Celtic cultures. 
right? Who appears on like different bronzes and things like that, the sort of the horned god, which, you know, CERN, I just occurred to me that they both Hmm. like, you know, CERN begins with CERN, just like CERN is. But yeah, uh, it's either here or there. But like that type of thing, like is pretty like, you know, people know about uh, like Krampus or whatever. The like, uh, you know, evil Santa that like you see in like Christmas parades in Europe. Oh, like, like uh, Black Pete and stuff like that? Black like, Pete is a little bit different because that's like sort of a blackface guy. But like Krampus yeah, is like a demonic in, kind of in the character. the Netherlands, yeah. Yeah, Krampus is like a demonic type of... Basically, like that guy was wearing sort of a Krampus type costume. And like in Christmas parades and stuff like that, like, you know, it's not like they made up that sort of costuming for this. Like that's pretty ubiquitous, like in like uh, festival observances and that type of thing, you know, the sort of like creepy goat costumes and stuff like that. So yeah, I feel like that's like in a, you know, if you look up like, I'm just looking up the Krampus Wikipedia article right now and there's all sorts of like horrifying images of, of him uh, and like costumes of him from like contemporary Christmas parades, you know, and it's like considered it's relatively normal, like in that area. I mean, yeah, it's sus. Although I do think that kind of, if you watch it, like the narrative of it, I don't know, maybe you disagree, but I felt like the narrative of it really was sort of about, I mean, I don't necessarily agree with this principle because I feel like the uh, forces of like uh, contemporary, like modern civilization and like technological enlightenment are like sort of satanic. But I feel like the real narrative of it was about actually the triumph of like modernity and like the railway and like human ingenuity over like the pagan darkness of like the Mm. demonic little goat man. And sort of the domestication almost of him. That's what I felt like was like sort of the storyline, if you could say that there was a storyline. Interesting. Um, I, I guess you could read it that way. Yeah, that seemed to be like what they were kind of getting at, you know. Yeah, I'm I'm actually reading right now because, of course, uh, some some big synchromistic uh, personalities have commented on this. Yeah, um, it was a huge thing at the time. Yeah. Including our, our boy, Vigilant Citizen. Right. Yeah. You know, he said, of course, he believes this is a bizarre occult ritual. Um, Yeah. But he mentions that, yes, like this drew inspiration from local folk tales, specifically the legend about the Devil's Bridge, which goes through Gothard Pass. So, in fact, I think there's like a Devil's Stone that's like still like displayed now, like near the opening of the railroad. I mean, both of those myths. Yeah, they're like about, yeah, I guess probably Vigilant Citizens. Well, yeah, no, he, 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 quote, yeah. he quotes something right here that says, the legend of this particular bridge states that the ruse was so difficult to ford that a Swiss herdsman wished the devil would make a bridge. The devil appeared, but required that the soul of the first to cross would be given to him. The mountaineer agreed, but drove a goat across ahead of him, fooling his adversary. Angered by the sham, the devil fetched a rock with the intention of smashing the bridge, but an old woman drew a cross on the rock, so the devil could not lift it anymore. The rock is still there, and in 1977, 300,000 Swiss francs were spent to move the 220-ton rock by 127 meters in order to make room for the new Gothard Road tunnel. So yeah, I guess it's like that, the uh, the Brook. The Devil's Bridge in Switzerland. I yeah. found another article about it Tufel, here. Yeah, right. Yeah, Tufelsbruck. Um, yeah, and there's also a Tufelstein, right? Which is because, de- like, there's a story that the devil, when they built, like, you know, he, after they tricked him with the goat, he got mad mm. and he decided to throw that stone to destroy the bridge. But, it, like, some religious woman had carved, like, a, a crucifix or a cross, like, on the, uh, on the stone. So that caused the devil to miss. 
and that stone is like still displayed like near one of the one of the railroad stations that this tunnel is a part of or maybe the you know at the entrance of the tunnel or something it's still like uh they, like something that stone, like that yeah there's I, I see one photo here of it uh there's like a little painting of kind of like a red devil like in front of the hole uh yeah basically i mean yeah. like a tunnel underground like is obvious like you're obviously gonna have like a lot of like satanic like or you know when generally speaking people think of like the underworld as like there is a subterranean world like low is bad uh subterranean world is that's like where hell is so like and i mean it's interesting to think about like the like the gnomes of zurich and everything you know like the swiss uh bankers being called gnomes and things and like the oh, fact that they built this big tunnel yeah you, have you ever heard of that uh i haven't like, i haven't phrase? heard of them yeah that's like kind gnomes, of a nickname but... for yeah they they uh they, that's sometimes uses a, a nickname the gnomes of zurich it's a slang term for swiss bankers right yeah so it is interesting that like this deep tunnel happened to be like in switzerland like in this sort of alpine culture i did find like a like an official english like brochure basically about the uh opening of the tunnel where they oh, kind of really? talk a little bit about it yeah they don't necessarily do themselves any favors they talk about like human sacrifice let's okay so this is what they have to say so, uh, Sacra del Gotardo, that's the name of it. Sacra del Gotardo is the title of the first part of the supporting artistic program directed by Volker Hesse. The French word sacre can be translated as rite or consecration, calling to mind rituals and ceremonies. Yeah, yes. The ceremony for the project of the century, the Gotthard based tunnel, calls for grand gestures, fulfilling pathos, holy earnestness. The word sacre also has other associations, such as sacrifice or sacred. This is the case for Igor Stravinsky's world-famous ballet, Le Sac du Printeps, or Rites of Spring, which we were just talking about, like, you know, being in Fantasia and everything. And we talked about, you know, the reception of that at the time. You know, people were kind of freaked out in the same way that they were by this, but even more so, like, people rioted mm -hmm. at, like, how outrageous it was, which, <laughs> as they note, uh, which is about a ritual human sacrifice, archaic, wild, and cruel. So, yeah, they, like, uh, you know, compared the vibe they were going for to, like, the Rites of Spring, and particularly the aspect of it being a human sacrifice. So not really surprising that people took it the way they did. But uh, tunnels are, an impre are impressive witnesses of human ingenuity and collective performance, but also of curses and ordeals. The tunnels constructed in the Alps in the 19th century were linked to destruction and human drudgery. Many workers paid with their lives for penetrating the interior of the mountains. You know, yeah, it's like a human sacrifice. Today's tunnels continue to show how dangerous it is for humans to battle with enormous masses of stone. The tunnel builders know about the unpredictability of nature and the recklessness of their activity. It's interesting to call, like, building this tunnel reckless. Like, I feel like this translation could uh, use some work. I don't know. Maybe that's not the attempt that they met to <laughs> say, like, it was reckless to build this. Like, now we're celebrating it. But anyway, the artistic staging is based on the two meanings of the word sacre. Indeed, beside the huge modern machines that eat away at the rock, the little lamp continues to burn at the feet of the statue of St. Barbara, patron saint of miners. And then they actually talk about uh, the mountain spirits. Mm. People who live and work in the mountains are familiar with the dangers. Rocks suddenly plunge downwards. Avalanches of snow or mud can destroy houses, villages, and landscapes in a very short time. Raging storms shake people up. The artistic staging displays how the alpine culture reflects the experience of being at the mercy of nature. It banishes the threats and terrors of the outside world into its own interior. Tales are told of evil mountain goblins. Pictures are painted of demons and spooky beings. Eerie sounds and rhythms are created. 
fervently out of a deep melancholic soul the sustained notes of the yodelers from the staging resound through hills and valleys that was a funny part where they have like the yodeling guy sort of like leading a man in a goat costume oh around. yeah uh, yeah art celebrates the beauty of the alpine glow the night sky in the mountains the yearning for security in the village community so yeah you can see how they were like going for it and then their third part is to talk about exuberance and joy and this is kind of like in the third part, the very first trains are approaching their destination. The spirits are fading away or becoming comical creatures, which I thought was interesting because, yeah, you kind of do see that happen where, like, at first the goat man uh, is, like, a very threatening presence and he's, like, just straight up, like, you know, deliberately sort of freaky or, or scary. I even saw, like, a, a reel that the guy who designed the video art for the thing put together and some of the keywords he highlighted were, like, demonic, melancholy, <laughs> like, and it's just like, all right, yeah, uh... Honestly, we, it has a very upsetting vibe. Yeah. People can still um, find it. Uh, now that Ruptly has been banned off YouTube, it's a little more rare, but you you can yeah. dig up the entire performance. It's very upsetting. And like, yeah, there are some definitely weird parts. Like the, the weirdest part to me was not even the goat necessarily, but the part like, because uh, I could understand like what the idea behind the goat was, whereas I did not understand what the reason for like the orgy part was. Like that was weird to me where like that it's almost, comes in like the first act. It's like the second thing that comes out. They have like these yeah. kind of like floats sort of coming down the tracks. And like the first one is just like these marching like workers kind of, you know, mm -hmm. just like plodding along like uh, robotically. And then like, yeah, the very next thing that comes out is a float with a bunch of like people in underwear, like having kind of wrestling. Yeah. But erotically. Like, erotically wrestling. Yeah. And there's, yeah. One of the the standouts in terms of the commentary on the event was like uh, the baby, like the baby headed angel, like it's a topless woman the, with mm -hmm. wings and like yeah. a paper mache giant baby head. Yeah. And it's like floating around like over this like weird orgy. Like I don't understand like what the relevance of the orgy is like that was like the thing was yeah. like, why did this have to happen? I mean, maybe exactly. it's like human beings reproduce like that's part of culture, but I don't know, like kind of a stretch, like don't necessarily need that part. Um, and it's still interspersed because it happens multiple times throughout the production. The kind of uh, the death of various workers, basically. Yes. Right, like it yeah. happens first with some of the workers that are like climbing on these like chains and they're kind of acrobatically like falling and dying. And then like the baby, the topless baby angel is like hovering around them almost to, like to scoop up their souls or something like that. Yeah, I and guess then it, was it happens like, later again outside yeah. too. Right. People are was, climbing and then falling. And yeah. Then, and they like burst open the tunnel and they fall down. Yeah. I mean, I guess workers actually did die like in the process of making this tunnel. Yeah. Like, yeah. Mean, not just historically in previous tunnels. I guess maybe the yeah. first act was meant to show like the 1800s or something where it was probably a lot of workers died. But I think yeah. there was a huge accident where like maybe somewhere between three and five workers died for this exact tunnel. So I thought like kind of a weird fucking memorial for like people that recently died building this project to have like they're having an orgy and then like a baby a topless baby like demon angel comes to like steal their soul like it yeah. has these themes of kind of it's almost reveling in the sacrifice of like the workers, like, you know, in like a Gustavus Myers way, like yeah. these people are being fed into the maw of mammon to like build the great tunnel to like, un to I mean, yeah, like the devilish like forces of like, <laughs> progress upon the world. Yeah. I mean, I almost could see like the ritual aspect to it, like in like, you know, if I mean, I guess they weren't actually having sex, which would really be the, um, 
which well, would obviously be necessary for any like ritual, for, like for any ritual purpose. Like you know, it wouldn't really work. But I, I guess maybe like the that would justify it almost like to have the kind of erotic charge because otherwise I don't get it. There was a weird like actually speaking of the Athens opening ceremony, there was a similar thing in that really uh, where they had kind of one of the main characters is sort of this angel baby, which is I guess Eros or Cupid is like a blue baby. He's like floating over everything like uh, it's also very weird, you know, like uh, and there is like a scene of like two lovers like making out and everything. And it like doesn't seem like super relevant to like Greek. I mean, all cultures have people who like love each other and like have sex. It's a pretty universal, you know, mm-hmm. future of humanity. But I don't know why it has to be like, you know, emphasized like not that. I mean, this was much more like, uh, you know, pornographic almost not that it really was, but like it was more so than the the Athens one, which was kind of just like your sort of very uh, yeah, usually chaste, I think heterosexual they, love scene. They know? tone it yeah. down a little bit for the Olympics, you know, because they're going for yeah. a global audience. But this feels like by Europeans for Europeans. Yeah, this was, you know, possible. but honestly, I will say, like, this isn't so different from, like, lots of, like, popular plays in Russia in terms of, like, the weird, like, iconography and stuff like that. You know, like, yeah, I mean... I know, but it's, it's the like fact sus, that... But it's the fact like, that, like, Angela Merkel is there, like, the Swiss president, <laughs> all these powerful-ass people are there to watch the opening of, like, this huge infrastructure project and, like, the celebration yeah. of it is, like, something that would give, like, Alex Jones a fucking conniption. And, like, yeah. did give Alex Jones they, a They were definitely folks, like, Yeah, they yeah were at the end, it just looks line. like a dead... Yeah. Like, Alex Jones is, like, deadhead nightmare of, like, I'm a liberal. Bleh. Yeah, 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 yeah <laughs> exactly. People like, running around, like, like, they, like, Yeah, they're, like, big people, like, who came out with... Or, like, people with, like, big heads of, like, what I assume are, like, Swedish, like, politicians or public yeah, figures. Yeah. Like, it was so funny. Yeah, it's so fucking um, weird. And, yeah, and then was, of course also the video screen where people are like climbing up and then falling off and dying, yeah, which eventually turns into screen. like yeah. a spiral of fucking eyeballs that in the middle of it are like I noticed it was in a hexagonal patterns. So, like they're Saturn, right, they're, worshiping, yeah. they're, they're worshiping Saturn folks. Uh, yeah, yeah, but I mean that's very creepy. And then like the scabbard, the dancers like turning into like scabbards as like. A, a video projection of pan just like looking evil and like screaming <laughs> at you it yeah. is just like it's so fucking it has so like i get that they're just like being european and they're being yeah, weird and they and, like, love goats is, uh i mean it, they it love almost, goats, like, but yeah i mean alpine uh, culture it sort of makes sense like their like bizarre love of goats because like i guess the whole culture is based on like transhumans and like herding and like goats are like really good like mountain livestock probably not really an expert but i assume sure. that they would be like since they're like known yeah. for their climbing abilities but yeah i don't know why everyone's so obsessed with goats but, but i mean it like is true that they do that all the time though. yeah there's will, like weird like in the beginning there's like these processions of people that look like out of like a fucking well yeah we should yeah like well i mean i guess it's some... supposed to be a historical narrative so in that case yeah i definitely felt like there was a part where like they were kind of like yeah sacrificing to the goat and that was, like, part of, like, the historical narrative where, like, first they were kind of, like, having to be subservient to the goat. But then they, like, cast off the shackles of the goat and, like, domesticated him into, like, a funny, you know, comical Christmas character. Of. Yeah, exactly. Like a Seemingly domesticated him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But, you know, the other thing we both watched... Um, a part of a live stream this this is a big synchronicity alert just in terms of weirdness because later on in this list of questions somebody asked us about the secret sun and so last night 
I just looked up Secret Sun, you know, to check in on that blog. I've read it a little bit over the years. Not not a huge expert. But I think the most recent post he had was about the Gothard Tunnel opening and was like, hey, check out this live stream I did months ago talking about all the symbolism and stuff. So that was a little weird. But, you know, he, he made some interesting observations. And now he, like Vigilant Citizen, is very like, th- this is a ritual pill. Yeah. Basically. But sure, yes. he does point out uh, some interesting... First of all, he points out that there are a lot of things in the production that mirror very closely like various things that have been in Kenneth Anger's films. Okay. But this is something that I did have an issue with. I did think that he had a good, I did think he had a good point or like a good, uh, potentially like valid insight, which is the identification that he made between the angel baby and Eros. Like, as I mentioned, that was in Mm -hmm. the Athens thing. And it does like almost seem kind of like Eros because it does appear like in a sort of sexual context and like yeah it does like you said also seem to have like a psycho baby like a psychopompic role sort of too but you know maybe it's got like a mercury aspect which almost would sort of fit but so i think that there might be something to that i mean it could also just be like uh like a, a weird looking cherub but like you know uh not if you wanted to give them benefit of the doubt which like we usually don't but i did think that you know he pointed out like the eye thing he was saying like this is straight to kenneth anger and like you know i mean we say like tendentious things on SJ all the time so i'm not like really taking issue with this but i feel like i mean what about like metropolis the famous i, I was Maria just gonna Zanz bring up metropolis because i was like, i was re-watching yeah. metropolis recently and that absolutely has like yeah. that's probably the first appearance that's where of kenneth the creepy... anger probably stole it from you know? probably yeah, yeah honestly yeah. and you know yeah he brings up i mean up, not to uh, say that metropolis isn't kind of sus too i feel like that i mean metropolis has like literally if anybody yeah. looks on our instagram i think on the jason horsley app i posted some like clips from it and like when they're activating like the bio robot there's a huge inverted pentagram over her like yeah there's almost some very explicitly like satanic things yeah a lot of those german expressionist movies have like occult things actually like you know i feel like we should at one point talk about like nosferatu and how like uh one of the guys who worked on that was actually like an occultist and like he designed like some of the occult symbols that you see in certain points in the film nosferatu there's all sorts of like weird occultic links with german expressionism but i also feel like uh in particular fritz lang was like obsessed with like eyes probably because he didn't have one of his eyes um yeah he he lost one of his eyes uh maybe in a war um one maybe he was wounded four times and lost sight in his right eye yeah in world war one well yeah he was in the austrian army fighting in russia and romania but yeah because he made that movie the thousand eyes of dr mabuse Dr. Dr. Mabuse is an interesting. Um, yeah, it is. I mean, this is a bit of an aggression, but oh, well, I mean, it's like Germanic, you know, Swiss, etc. Yeah, same yeah. universe. Well, yeah. you know, all uh, yeah. Also, uh, one of the other things that Secret Son brought up that I thought was just interesting. I don't know really what to make of it, but uh, I certainly noticed it when I rewatched the, you know, the performance that the pan figure, the bearded man with like an animal head on like a taxidermy you know like a goat head on that is running around screaming at the top of his lungs and just being a wacky maniac looks a lot like the fucking Q shaman from January Oh no, 6th. I had the same thought. I didn't yeah. actually see that part. I think I missed that part of his live stream, but uh, yeah, I had well, the same he, thought. He because, points yeah. Out, yeah, he points out something that uh, that I've kind of, I think, brought up somewhere before that basically if you look at what was the date of this performance, 
it was June 1st, 2016. Mm-hmm. Now in Europe, you know, they reverse the numbers, right? They say oh, wow. the day first. Very so actually in yes. Germany and Switzerland, it was 1-6. And then wow. no. on 1-6 in America, just like how, I think it was Dave Emery maybe that pointed out before that 9-11, you know, in Europe would be 11-9, the date of the beer hall putsch. No. Um, <laughs> no. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Well, I mean, I think that is, that. that is interesting. I also I mean, think I don't know that, if it, that's, yeah, I don't know if it's well, like, I, it's like I, they're planning all of this stuff, folks. Well, but, but I almost <laughs> think that it's not, well, there's this is part of like a larger uh, matrix, if you will, of like not in the sense of like the movie, you know, matrix in terms of like a web of associations, which is that like the sort of association with, of like horn figures with like revelry and carnival, which I feel like is both those things are expressions of like probably the reason why that fool was wearing that quote unquote shaman outfit is because like and I mean, it's appropriate. He was probably almost. going for a Viking thing. But no, I think it actually he might have been going for a shaman thing because I think we did talk about before, like the uh, the shaman or the sorry, the sorcerer. I called the shaman because, yeah, but it is probably a depiction of a shaman. The sorcerer is what it's called. It's like a uh, a cave illustration like that is, I think, in front. I think it actually is in the Alps. Let me see if I can find it. Cave art, the sorcerer cave art. It's the cave of Troffre in Arege, France. I don't know if that's part of the Alps or not, but it is in a French cave and it's like sort of a an almost anthropomorphic sort of reindeer type guy with like, you know, an obvious like phallus like down there. The idea is that this is supposed to represent like a shamanic figure because that like, you know, really was a lot of the time what the uh, shamanic ability was related to was the power of transformation into animals or communion with animals, but, you know, particularly transformation in animals. So, you know, it actually is like his uh, attire but, I mean, the Viking connection isn't irrelevant because there were the berserkers who were supposed to be kind of like wolfmen, and they would put on animal skins to sort of transform into it, but they had that kind of similar function. But I think, you know, it's not totally inappropriate, but I feel like, you know, those are both expressions of, like, a much deeper and more ubiquitous thing than, like, those two things are particularly corresponding. They're drawing on the same, like, deeper well of yeah. symbolism. No, uh, for sure, for sure. Yeah. I, I can see that. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's so, what, you know, I don't know. That's it's, my it, take. <laughs> yeah. The la- um, the last thing I'll bring up, if you check the workflowy, I added a link right now because we didn't talk at all. I feel like this is one of the pitfalls of a kind of a conspiracy event like this is that you know people don't talk about like well who made this shit like who yeah whose vision I was, was curious this, right? like who this well, director guy was yeah it was this individual a German individual Volker I Vol- I assume his name is pronounced Hesse. Yeah, H-E-S-S-E. Volker Hesse. And, you know, there isn't, he has a Wikipedia, so he's like a known guy. Yeah. And, you know, some conspiracy forums. He seems like what you would expect, like a, like, weird European, like, theater director. Click on the link I, you know, added. Oh, I know you don't like playing, I know you don't like playing this game, but look at this motherfucker. at the very bottom? No, at the top. Oh, I see. This is about Aquino eyebrows. Just look at the eyebrows. Uh, uh. Uh, yeah, I definitely do see. I definitely do see it. I mean, I I know he's got big ass Aquino eyebrows. Yes, he does. He does. I mean, I do will repeat my you know standard uh, idea that I think that some people's eyebrows do do that. Like with age. I mean, obviously Aquino like deliberately sort of sculpted himself like that. Although he claimed they did that 
his whole life. I don't know how true that is. But, you know, especially with age, like your eyebrow regulation hormones can like go out of whack. I think Uh, I've seen I've seen random people with it. All right. All right. I mean, this guy kind of does look direct a fucking satanic, satanic, like weird fucking pan ritual has pointy ass eyebrows. Like, I'm sorry. I'm not saying everybody with pointy eyebrows is like sus automatically. But if you're already. No, I'm just saying, you you know, I'm just saying for the case of, you know, just to note, just to note, uh, I'm not saying that maybe he doesn't he's not flying this deliberately as a satanic eyebrow flag to signal other Aquino eyebrow having Satanists. I'm just saying he looks Uh, like a guy that would be a big Kenneth Anger fan. He looks like Uh, he would be. Yeah, he definitely could be. Um, also, fact, yeah. Uh, sorry, the other thing I, I just wanted to mention is I, I wanted to look up like into his background. And uh, unfortunately, like getting information on his father is very difficult because his father's name was Rudolf Hesse with an E. And of course, every conspiracy form I found talking about the Gothard Tunnel thing was like, he's the son of Rudolf Hess. Oh my God, I Googled him and like he was a Nazi and got <laughs> captured and like blah, blah, blah. And it's like, you fucking idiots. Like there's an E at the end of it. And like, if he's his son, like look up Rudolf Hess's Wikipedia. You're not going to see him there. <laughs> like, it's just so fucking annoying how, yeah. I mean, they do, Germans really do. I, I experienced this going, looking for uh, Klaus Schwab's father who it turns out was like a huge Nazi industrialist, but like almost mm-hmm. all information about him is scrubbed off of the mm-hmm. internet, uh, particularly in English, So, which is interesting. But it does note on his Wikipedia that Volker Hesse's, fa- Hesse's father was an opera director in Germany, mm-hmm. you know? And I think like he was also born in 1944, so I don't know how old his father was, but th- it would seem reasonable to me that perhaps like his father was involved in making Nazi operas. <laughs> yeah, it's I mean, entirely plausible. In fact, you know, someone who wrote like, a, you know, the Nazis were big Wagner fans and like that mm-hmm. performance is very Wagnerian. In fact, according to Wikipedia, uh, Volker Hesse's doctoral dissertation was on uh, this guy, uh, Bernhard Diebold. Oh, Diebold, or, yeah. Yeah, born Bernhard Ludwig Dreyfus, I guess, who was, I guess, Jer- Jewish. He came from a well-established Zurich family. But yeah, the he Diebolds was, are a big, big European family. Yes, but at first, I guess he was actually a um, porter of uh, Goebbels' policies <laughs> and wrote in support of them in 1933. But... He uh, he was eventually served with a work ban, and he went back to Zurich. But I don't know. I mean, he he was wow. someone who wrote. I don't know too much about his criticism, but I guess he also was interested in uh, Wagner. So maybe there's some uh, connection there. Zito uh, Hitlerite. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. It's hard to find more information about him, except that he is not like Nazi leader Rudolf Hess's son, but. Mm, you just got to keep an eye on sometimes for these Germans, especially with Merkel there and the kind of vibes of like the EU being like what the third Reich always wanted, but like more sneakily this time and like without literally doing a genocide, you know? Yes. And it, it really, I think that it's an interesting historical kind of time capsule because I remember that time very well. In the summer of 2016, we were we were actually dealing with like a rash of mass shootings around the time. Because wasn't that like the Pulse shooting and then that weird guy mm-hmm. in Dallas that was like 
right around Dealey Plaza and they blew him up with a drone robot. And mm-hmm. then, was that you know, the same tr- time? was that when Beto Trump was winning was like, the nomination? What the fuck? Was that that shooting? It was when? it was one of those like it was I think that was like yeah. the Micah X Johnson guy who was like mm-hmm. kind of yeah. uh, a black identity extremist, you know. Oh, right. Yes. Black identity kind of extremism. The, like yeah. a, a, a well, you know, trotted like secondary profile for like a mass yes. shooter now is yeah. like. If they're black, like they were definitely a hotep. If they're white, they're yes. Nazi. If they're Hispanic uh, or Latino, they just like got psyop by playing Call of Duty and watching Elsagate videos and decided yeah. to go to a school. And there was just a lot of crazy, like, yeah, like pandemonium going on. And then this like sus fucking tunnel opening happens. And everyone's just like, what is going on in the EU right now? Like, what, where is this all going with like this amazing liberal utopia that is kind of low key, like dominated by Germany, you know? And like, why are they just like trying to summon Pan? And (laughs) I don't know. And, now i don't know if they would do a ritual like this today might be too unpopular or you know they might feel like they they need to hide a little bit more um i don't know um, i could see something like that happening again especially well it's very rare that there's something like as significant as this i guess this is like a pretty big deal uh in switzerland to the opening of this tunnel but i feel like i mean again like stuff that like that kind of happens like every year like they have like weird like pan figures like look up like the demons of the alps or something you know i think that there's something that the photographer uh demons of the alps i, I want to say that's what it was called yeah if you look up like demons of the alps you can find like various images of like these weird outfits that people put on i'm trying to think of what the name of the goddess is the prechen or something oh wow i see like it. yeah this is Frecken. very sad. Um, <laughs> this is yeah. really sus. What the fuck? Yeah, and that's like kind of like normal, like oh, yeah, Christmas attire. Yeah, like you know that like for they do like weird parades like that. Like every, I mean, I guess we kind of do legendary like Christmas demons. Yeah. Fuck. You've never like, heard of this demon before. I feel like this is like, like a meme no. online. Uh, no, I've never heard of the. Krampus. You've never heard of Krampus. Like, uh, no. Well, yeah. I mean, well, one day we need to do my episode yeah. concept for the original Christmas, or the very first SJ Christmas, when I was like, we should do Sus Santa. And <laughs> one day we have to do Sus Santa. <laughs> uh, you're right. But, no, there, um, there could be something to it here. Yeah. Wow. It's uh, very uh, mystical. There's another space. like if you look up uh, Perchta is what I think, or Birchta. Sometimes you know in English maybe glossed as Bertha, which is a uh, a goddess in alpine paganism this is all according to wikipedia and the article may need to be rewritten to comply with the quality standards so you know but this is generally like just a you know uh this is a goddess from from the alps you can see like a really demonic looking mask that's used to commemorate this figure in sort of uh festivals surrounding her uh people dress up like in beautiful normal costumes but also like in ugly costumes Oh my in God. the 16th century, Jesus. the Perchton took two forms. Some are beautiful and bright, known as a Sean Perton, beautiful Perchton. These come during the 12 nights and festivals to bring luck and wealth to people. The other form is the Shiach Perchton. I, I don't know if I'm saying that right, but whatever. The ugly Perchton, who have fangs, tusks, and horse tails and are used to drive out demons and ghosts. Men dressed as the ugly person during the 16th century went from house to house driving out bad spirits. Sometimes a uh, Dertufel, uh, the devil is viewed as the most uh, shiak perch and Frau Perchta as the most shan perch. Frau Perchta being like the goddess herself. So there's a lot of like weird stuff around that. But there's also like the wild hunt, you know, the like sort of phantom 
like riders who, you know, fairy folk or spirits who like kind of have like a, what's the name of the, in, even in the, U, in Europe, uh, not obviously in Europe, but like in England, they have that sort of thing of like the, the spooky huntsman. I forget what his name is. Hearn the Hunter. He's associated with Windsor Forest. And he's like, you know, a demonic woodsman. Jesus. And yeah, he's kind of like a headless horseman, but he has, he has horns. So like these horned, like, you know, goblins are like pretty culturally ubiquitous and where they do have, you know, the same way that like people, uh, like you said, people find it very odd that like in the Netherlands, it's normal for Santa to have like a like little blackface servant <laughs> with him. Yeah. Also like it, Christmas, the way that it's celebrated and various other holidays are celebrated does a lot of the time involve like these weird like uh, mummers type festivals where people look like you know like wear very fucking weird pan-esque costumes it's interesting too like you know you're talking about pan itself like a lot of those romantics uh which crowley kind of was part of really and he was a mountaineer right he was big into mountaineering you know the romantics like were they were they love the alps like the alpine movement the whole idea of like mountaineering and like the, what you see today where people are like i'm gonna free solo this mountain and like die horribly because like that's what freedom's <laughs> yeah. all about like you know the idea of doing that like the romance of like climbing a mountain with like minimal you know and just like the yeah the sort of ideological mountaineering stuff like and the romantic air around it like that came out of the same sort of vibe of like the rebirth of pan you know and the uh, not in the sort of nazi jim brandon sense but in the uh in, in like the, the 19th century sense where you have like Arthur Mackin stories and things which are kind of at the dark side of that. But yeah, yeah. Anyway, I, I did appreciate uh, that Secret Son brought up Jim Brandon and yeah, you know, um, his Nazi like return of pan thing, especially. Yeah. I mean, well, there I are some synchronicities that he was a Nazi. He was sort of recommending well, the book a little bit like, you know, he didn't like clarify that like, you know, like literally oh, it would be impossible. Not that I, I, mean, I didn't watch the whole thing. So maybe he did. But the way that he brought it up, I thought was just saying like, you know, this is a good reference for understanding pan which like it's not useless but like there's many like better things uh, to turn to mm-hmm. i feel like that are just as constructive that aren't written by like yeah. pretty much the most nazi you could be like as an american yeah, yeah. but i think um, you know we I, I think it only underscores uh it validates what we were saying in our goblins episode about you know why you shouldn't summon pan out of like a huge cave you know basically yeah, but i mean maybe they were on to something in like a bad way um you know, i think like, yeah they should have gone For to switzerland sure. and then you know they <laughs> gotten to meet pan slash the q shaman um yeah they would have i mean they would definitely be down to and i'm um, that would probably be hellier like season seven is like going to like some sus cave in in europe to meet the all the goblins that exist there because they probably have like you know Way more All right, we're here content. live at Devilsburg Castle to the yeah, biggest exactly. ritual. <laughs> Dana is gonna yeah. raise a dagger, and uh, <laughs> right, uh, yeah, uh, it could happen. And then he would like act surprised that like is like uh, he would apologize. He'd be like, "We didn't realize that Heinrich Himmler was bad or something." I don't know, but, I don't know, but it's weird to like worship Pan, but people still do. I mean, I don't think that like. It's complicated in a way because I don't think like depicting the devil is necessarily bad. It's, I like, would agree. More about intent, like you know, I mean, like medieval Christians, probably there were some who were like opposed to this, but like they would do like liturgical dramas where there would be uh, depictions of hell and of demons and things like that. People taking on these guises and 
Uh, oh yeah, we we are know. not anti like you know anti depictions of horror, you know, in terms yeah, of art. Not but it, yeah. for me, it comes down to well, I think it's quite like, thorny and yeah, like deals. You know, it comes it has down to, do to intent like, and like the end kind of result of like the point you're trying to get across. Like it's not so much about representing yeah, the thing itself. Intent and carefulness, intent and care. Like yeah, because this is so this is so vague. Like not having a negative intention. Um, they, they could have put a little more of a finer point on like the conquering pan, conquering the devil kind of theme. Because I see like if you really read into it, you can kind of see it there. But if you're just kind of watching it, it also sort of seems like this was like consecrated by Pan, and they sacrificed all these workers, and now the evil politician like yeah. big heads are here to like fucking celebrate it. And I forget if it was evil. Secret Son or Vigilant Citizen who said like you know, and then they put the cloak around Pan, and they were saying like you are king of the world now <laughs> or like whatever. Vigilant yeah. Citizen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Now you are king of the world. I don't I think mean, they literally said as in no, saying, they yeah, they didn't yeah. they didn't have any dialogue except for the yodeling. But I mean, I I'm not surprised that people like react. I mean. They deliberately made it like spooky and demonic. That was like part of their goal. They wanted to have a demonic vibe. That was part of the artistic vision. So it's really not surprising people reacted that way. If you're like, our inspiration is like the rite of spring, which is about a human sacrifice. Like, you know, not like in the sort of Fantasia sense. I mean, that is sus as well. Like the whole dinosaur uh, sequence kind of digression there. But you know, yeah. if you're deliberately taking uh, inspiration from that and the element of human sacrifice for like your tunnel opening and, you know, in a way, which involved people dying for to exactly like build humans it. were sacrificed in order for the tunnels like, you know, to come into being. So it really it almost is like, yeah, maybe the devil finally got his bridge. You know, maybe he finally got his human sacrifices. He demanded a uh, sacrifice. The first yeah, people exactly. to, go to pass through this like, yeah, he chasm. was pissed off about that goat and then he finally got it. When they built Maybe the they thought they tricked him again by like symbolically, theatrically uh, sacrificing the Q shaman, you know, at the end of it to like, or like neutering yeah. him or something. I don't know. But well, the fact is that like the first time they tried to do it, like didn't like two hundred people die, and then this time like eleven people died, right? Like, which is still bad. Still pretty um, bad, and yeah, I don't know if I would like to see my loved ones like memorialized thus <laughs> with like yeah, the evil no, angel, sexy angel baby with like. It's yeah. mouth wide open, like hovering over them to like steal their soul. Yeah, I know? feel like you shouldn't. Yeah, you, you should have to get like permission from like the families of the deceased if you're gonna like <laughs> represent them being like taken up away by that entity. I mean, maybe they were fine with it because they're like weird Swiss people, but I, I don't maybe know. they I, were. I find it hard to believe. Um, yeah, I don't think that that angel baby like that was the weirdest thing to me. Um, like more so even than just because Pan, even though he's a sick freak and an evil goat, he like is pretty ubiquitous culturally so that yeah, the baby, angel baby's more mysterious i mean the angel i guess angels are also but like not necessarily in that uh sort of form Scary uh that was kind angels. of like a mix between like an angel and like a gray or something a mm. topless sexy angel gray yeah I'll, I'll just give the final word here to Vigilant Citizen, who says <laughs> um the occult elite is all about power and symbolism the above ceremony showcased both through the opening ceremony of the world's deepest and longest tunnel, the occult elite tells the world that they control the world's resources and manpower. In other words, they are the only ones who can make such projects happen because they control politics, finance, and business. Furthermore, by creating overtly occult ceremonies, the elite tells the world 
this is what we believe in. This is what we think of you, and there is nothing you can do about it. The opening ceremony of the Gothard Base Tunnel turned a great feat of engineering into a religious ceremony dedicated to Baphomet while, some, while somewhat ridiculing the workers who sacrificed their lives and the masses who will travel through the tunnel. Then Europe's most powerful people stood up and gave a standing ovation to this ceremony dedicated to the true ruler of the occult elite. <laughs> so, um, I, but like, I think like I kind of actually think that aspects of that are true. Like, I think that this part is true that through the opening ceremony of the, of the world's deepest and longest tunnel, the occult elite tells the world they control the world's resources and manpower. Like, yeah. I think that that is like, I don't necessarily think that it, it was, dedicated to baphomet per se i think that sure. you know like not at least not on the surface i think that you know that's like a little bit missing the forest like for the trees but i think that it actually was in a way like a display of control and like also like an ideological display it wasn't just like Bleh, like we worship the devil like in a way it was but not like the the goat man was actually kind of a red herring in a way <laughs> like the more like yeah, demonic parts kind of right. were like, like the, the yeah. celebration of like capitalism and like the giant like swiss headed politicians and everyone like walking out and like celebrating like going to the mall and things like that like uh it's true and, it's like, kind of like a of, celebration like, you know, of the ability to like, marshal these workers to sacrifice their lives at a whim in order to build this tunnel uh-huh, uh for exactly. like probably ultimately commercial purposes you can yeah, even look like, at like the the sex part before you know the angel shows up as like basically sort of like workers like and they're kind of stripped like they're wearing like raggy like old like underwear you know the concept of like a a worker getting paid just enough to replicate themselves yeah exactly like they're you know they're our breeding stock and like we you know our (laughs) livestock yeah this is what they do in their pens they were even kind of in pens yeah and train cars like a holocaust really in a way in a way also like there is a continuity that exists in the especially in the fact that like the ensemble is the same and like it's all, you know, presented in this sort of telescoped or, you know, condensed theatrical form where you have like people actually you have a really a representation of like older pagan practices of like within Alpine culture, like which kind of imply like animal sacrifice, at least if not human sacrifice. And then they're really it does kind of seem like you sort of see the whole like uh, this whole sort of historical narrative in microcosm where like it is a natural evolution from that like ideological system so in a way like yes i think i don't think that they think generally it is true that satanists don't believe that they worship the devil so and you know i think that there's also like levels of satanism like where there's sort of the capitalistic satanist who doesn't even think that they worship satan allegorically um so i don't think that they like the you know really that the ideology behind us believes that they worship the devil even allegorically but there is a sense what they do think i think is that they kind of domesticated or you know subverted those like they got the the one up on those sort of forces of like the wilderness by undominated them through this tunnel which you know eh, is true that is true kind of like maybe for some super wealthy elite type people that it's not so much i mean i I definitely think maybe some of them are like consciously like yeah you know or something like that yeah definitely but i think that that type of like capitalistic mindset you're you're talking about is almost like I feel like a a huge focus of it is dominating nature and to the extent that like pan or anybody like that represents the kind of like spiritual force of like the natural world that you want to subjugate. Like it's still 
ultimately kind of a satanic thing, you know, like a belief. Well, he's like a familiar or like a a partner in a way. And I mean, there's different trends in terms of like how people interact with Pan. Like, yeah, I mean, there's a whole like romantic, like bullshit etymological idea of like Pan is all or whatever, which, you know, is like Pan is Pan. Like you can't really get away with it. I don't understand like why, you know, we already have. He's God, toxic. which we work so hard to uh, recognize. Like, I don't understand why you want to turn yourself away from uh, <laughs> monotheism. It's just like, but I just had pure edginess. But like, yeah, really like, you know, I mean, it makes sense that they gravitate towards those symbols, though, because they are like, you know, familiar spirits that they can control in a way or make bargains with. And sometimes, you know, they have like either allegorically or uh, in... Uh, literally, but it does make sense they gravitate in a way towards that that symbolism, although I do think that they don't see themselves as, like, worshipping the devil or Pan, per se, but they do definitely have values that I feel like you could describe as satanic, which are just about, mm-hmm. like, the, you know, the supremacy of human beings, uh, of, like, human will and human knowledge over everything, and, yeah, the, uh, the power exactly. to... Uh, reduce nature to brute matter that we can use like for our own advancement. Totally. Um, you it's know, like how the Nazis... Classical enlight- enlightenment liberalism like, <laughs> uh, but taken to like a Silicon Valley sociopathic extreme. A or in dark this case, like uh, if you will. Yeah, exactly. Or in this case, like a European <laughs> banker sicko extreme. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, yeah. let's not forget the Swiss bankers. Like, yeah, probably one of the biggest sus. reserves of evil, like, in the yeah, world. Yeah, for sure. Are gnomes. You know, that's they actually, are, it's a slur on gnomes, honestly. It's, yeah, it's it's almost a slur on gnomes. Yeah. And they were, like, it's funny to say, like, oh, you know, he was kicked out of Germany and had to move back to Zurich because he was Jewish. It's like, yeah, as if there weren't, like, tons of Nazi sympathizers in Zurich. <laughs> like, yeah, as, well, if you move to Zurich, then you're not a Nazi. Unfortunately, that is not the case. Yeah, I think that even, wasn't Klaus Schwab's Klaus dad, Schwab's like, father also Zurich-based? Yes, I, th- I, think like was, I think he was in Zurich, and his father's company was Escher Weiss, and they they eventually became, like, really big, like, turbine manufacturers for, like, mm-hmm. hydroelectric dams and shit. But they were huge military contractors. I think I found evidence that Escher Weiss was like given an award by the Nazi government as like a model national socialist company. And mm-hmm. they were a uh, they used concentration camp labor as well during the war. At least a few hundred concentration camp uh, victims were used as slave labor, though that was just at one plant. So there could have been more. And they were like part of the an integral part of the military industrial complex of Nazi Germany. And it's really hard to find information about Schwab's father, like beyond that. But yeah, he was basically Swiss, Swiss German and had plenty of connections to the Nazis. So looking ahead here, actually, I feel like we might like come back to kind of the ambiguity of like the pan symbol as like a heart like a clown figure and also when we get to if we do get to this joker related question but uh wait i just i just realized that another synchronicity is that davos is going on this week and i think it's in zurich this time oh wow for like security reasons or something it's not in davos it's in zurich so Mm. i mean all getting all the billionaires in the world together in those alps yeah, hmm. to meet with the gnomes. And they have to meet the with the gnomes and get Pan their marching himself. orders. Pan himself will probably make an appearance. He'll come he probably out, will. Yeah. <laughs> like, Excuse probably. me, uh, Lord Pan. <laughs> Everyone has to dress up in like the dark Rael like space yeah. outfit and go no. down into the tunnel. <laughs> 
God. History at sick. a turning point, I guess, is the theme of Davos this year. Is that not always a theme of Davos? Turning like a wheel, like a swastika, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, That's their turning point. <sighs> yeah. Awesome. We'll have to get back to them, too. I think the, the, like Schwab, Klaus uh, Schwab deserves like a full deep dive as well. Like what the World Economic Forum, like what kind of Nazi bullshit is this? And Everyone works for them. Yeah. <laughs> trying to... Bond. The globalist Stalin, yeah. Mao. Yeah, exactly. They're, they're they all, all part work. of it. The WEF controls yeah. everything. Yeah. August 29th, 21, asks, uh, question for the hosts. What are your thoughts on the book Confessions of an Economic Hitman? 
Um, I haven't read it. I remember when it came out, though. I remember people saying, like, uh, this person uh, is obviously not actually familiar with, uh, you know, how these intelligence agencies work or something, which made me think, like, that it probably was right about a lot of things. But I can't <laughs> rightly say because I haven't actually read the book. Yeah, I feel like yeah. you might have to, like, semi- I could have read it for this uh, episode, but I usually, like, don't read uh everything like that is mentioned in, a, in the q a i hope that you can forgive me yeah. uh but, as per yeah. the q a rules we try not to read entire books to answer yeah, questions or we wouldn't get very far from reading entire books yeah um <laughs> yeah yeah i haven't read it either but i've been familiar with it for, uh, for many years and i think it would be good to do an episode on it because i think from a glance, right? I, I know I've read like excerpts of it years ago. It seems to be describing something that is very real. Mm-hmm. You know, people working in like a a knock or a non-official cover capacity for either the the Pentagon or the CIA or the NSA, working for like a real corporation, running around the world and doing certain things on the sly and being an economic hitman. I think it's uh it's often held up as a good kind of account of sort of like neo-colonialist tactics in the especially in the third world you know how western corporations can go in and even if they're not strictly like on you know like a card carrying CIA officer there's all kinds of things that can happen through like the world bank and the IMF various companies uh, to bend a country like to their will or exacts whatever they want you know whether it's resources or anything else and uh and it yeah i think it would be good to talk about but i'm a little bit because also um the author john perkins he's popped up a lot and like he's been on the alt media kind of circuit for a very long time like long enough that he's kind of popped up in things by individuals that i would classify as like kind of sus like i think he he was a, a big focus of the second part of like the Zeitgeist movie series. Oh yeah. Yeah, which that guy, I forget what was his name. Like I it's blanking on me right now, but that was a kind of sus like late two thousands. Yes. Kind of I Alex Jonesy that. conspiracy yeah. documentary. Mm-hmm. And I forget where it led at the end of the day, but it was like it led to somewhere kind of sus basically right. like it led almost in like a Q-ish like new age direction. But I don't yeah, know if I that necessarily means that. like, but John Perkins has appeared in a lot of documentaries and stuff over the years. And I think he's given a lot of interviews. I mean, I think he's still alive. Oh yeah. Originally. Yeah. I never actually, I don't, or maybe I did years ago. Like, cause I feel like this came out when I was maybe just graduating high school. Like 2004. Uh, yeah, or Zeitgeist came out two thousand. Oh yeah, that came out in like two thousand seven, two thousand eight ish. Yeah, this is funny. They dispute the historicity of Jesus, who it claims is a literary and astrological hybrid in part one, including mm. audio uh, quotes from George Carlin. Eh. Um, <laughs> yeah, it seems like stupid. Um, it's that era kind of thing, kind yeah. of libertarian ish. Right. But yeah. I don't know about uh, John Perkins also seems like he was kind of born to a certain like higher class. I guess you could say I think he's from New Hampshire, but I think he went to like a fancy boarding school. And then let me see right here. He, he was born in 1945. 
Yeah, and it's interesting that he's uh, written about mystical aspects of indigenous cultures, including shamanism. It's just looking at him on Wikipedia. I think yeah. he might um, be. He rubs up against that kind of like entheogen <laughs> kind of world. Yeah, like as doing well. ayahuasca. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. The Tilton School is where Touching he went. Touching the Jaguar, transforming fear into action to change your life and the world. All right. Yeah. So I don't. Or, yeah. It's like I feel premature to basically say oh yeah like this guy is yeah Um, however like i do remember the backlash and the backlash it did kind of like bias me at least like on the issue of like i don't know i feel like there was a lot of like interference being run like around the book i mean maybe the book like makes untrue like or wild claims or is not maybe not the substance of it but maybe like the uh larger uh skeleton or framework of it is true but there's like a like maybe some crap in there but yeah i mean just looking at the wikipedia again for the book in particular they're talking about some guy malaby columnist sebastian malaby for the washington post who hated the book and called him a frothing conspiracy theorist a vanglorious peddler of nonsense this is like a weird part of the article where it says he disputes perkins claim that 51 of the top 100 world economies belong to companies a value-added comparison shows that 29 countries are in the top 100 while the rest are companies. So then more than 51 are companies. Mm. Uh, well, maybe the, those like two, it almost seems like one is supporting the other, but maybe it's just a result of Wikipedia being like written by multiple authors and someone kind of like countering that point. But the way it's written almost seems like, you know, one was supposed to substantiate the other. But anyway, yeah. Also, yeah, apparently Niall Ferguson like objected to the book, which makes me think that. Yeah, I think he I he pissed off. No, like, he pissed I off. Hate Niall so, Ferguson. I know, I know. Yeah, it's like um, Malaby was like, yeah, member of the CFR, and was like, this isn't serious, you know, yeah. basically. Yeah, and he worked for this. He worked for this company, Chaz T Main, which is just like I guess they were an energy company that ended up getting into like the nuclear business. So, yeah, and that he claimed that basically under the cover of this company, he traveled around the world for decades and had some kind of relationship with the NSA where, like, he was able to use that as cover to, like, do various nefarious activities. But, yeah, yeah, basically he claims that he was, like, working for the NSA, but, like, the people who he, like, worked for who were supposed to be NSA liaisons, like, deny it. So he hasn't been able to prove that claim. I mean, it could be true. But, uh, but that's also no, like, like by depth. He's not like acknowledged. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's um, by definition, like a non-official cover, a knock. That yeah. is an, a kind of condition of their employment is that they will yeah, do things basically. for the intelligence services. But if they're ever caught, they're going to be unlike a real kind of CA officer that gets caught where that becomes like a diplomatic situation and they might negotiate to get him back. If you're a knock and you get, tripped up in something like they are going to deny you ever worked for them they're going to wipe it like there's no no paper trail plausible deniability etc so there's definitely people like that like i mean look at like fucking john train you know what i mean mm-hmm. like was john train ever like a salaried employee of the caa mm-hmm. probably it seems not but i mean who can tell with his pedigree but in general, he definitely was doing like CIA type work as a financial advisor, et cetera, you know, and as a philanthropist. So, yeah, I think uh, a lot of interesting stuff with John Perkins. I think that'll that'll get its very own ep one of these days. Yeah, it's interesting that the guy who he basically said 
like screened him for the NSA A&R Grieve, um, who was a member of the firm, basically. You know, he denied that he was acting as an NSA liaison, but he did apparently say, again, according to Wikipedia, but there is a source. Basically, his story is true. What John's book says is there was a conspiracy to put all these countries on the hook, and that happened. Whether or not it was some sinister plot or not is up to interpretation. But many of these countries are still over the barrel and have been have never been able to repay the loans. Also, the claim, like the NSA claim that they're like, you know, we're only a cryptological organization, not an economic organization. Bullshit. We, our missions don't involve anything remotely resembling placing economists at private companies where we're to increase the debt of foreign countries. I'm sure that like their missions Bullshit. do involve things that remotely resemble that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, they're exactly. just not a co- they're not just a code making organization. That's a flagrant lie. Was this before Prism? Uh, uh, you before mean before Snowden? like Snowden? And yeah, everything? it was before well, Snowden. So yeah, yeah no, I think when it came out, that shit. Uh, funny. Yeah, yeah so yeah. that should give you an idea of like the disingenuousness of like the dismissal of that book. But again, I haven't read it, so there, it might be full well, of bullshit. Yeah, we'll have to decide like crap. what what category of whistleblower does he ultimately end up in? I think is he more on like the Philip Ag John Stockwell side of things, which is to yeah. say, I think fundamentally like truthful and based, or is he more like a Eddie the Friendly Spook Snowden? Mm-hmm. Where uh, I smell, yeah. I, I smell some NSA shenanigans with his whole game, basically. Right. But only only time and research will tell. I guess we'll move on then to number four by Young Howler, and again with the synchronicities here, uh, he asked on August thirty first, twenty twenty one. Thoughts on Elizabeth Taylor and the Secret Sun blog, Grand Unified Synchro Mystic Conspiracy. So this is a two-part question, right? Um, I was a little confused by the mention of Elizabeth Taylor because I yeah, looked up. Like it's another Taylor one of these SEO names from... that it just ruins everything. It's like Rudolf Hess. Like if you type it in, it's going to come up with one type of response. And like you can't oh, even get a response. Oh, talking about a different Elizabeth Taylor. Yeah, I guess I don't know anything. I do know one sus thing about Elizabeth Taylor, but I'm not sure this is what they were referring to, which is that she was like the goddaughter of like one of the most like aggressive advocates for zionism in like the british uh government or like uh you know uh, whatever he i don't remember what his role was or even i don't even know what his name was off of his head it was victor something oh cazalette victor cazalette colonel victor cazalette and uh he apparently was the one who like encouraged her to like get into acting it's on his wikipedia article actually uh he has a section called godfather to elizabeth taylor he was super aggressively about uh zionism and actually i think that elizabeth taylor like a became jewish later in life but uh, sort of because of his influence uh, even though he wasn't but, jewish he was a christian but, scientist like, yeah they were all raised she was raised a christian scientist which again i think we mentioned that once before there's like a strange overrepresentation of Hollywood actors and actresses that were raised Christian scientists. You don't see them pop up usually like in a lot of prominent, prominent places, at least uh, not anymore, but I don't know. Yeah. Kind of interesting. Yeah. What's really weird is that his grandfather apparently also was like a huge advocate for like, basically for Zionism even though, like, Cazalette, his era was, like, the era of, of Balfour and everything, and they knew each other. Um, but Edward Cazalette, the grandfather of Victor Cazalette, also was into the big idea of basically establishing a Jewish state. And, Weird. Uh, yeah. But were they, wait, were they Jewish at all? No. Huh. 
They were just uh, big into it. They apparently uh, believed that although the war has held up our program as far as Palestine is concerned, in God's good time, the Jewish state will be established and will contribute as much happiness and prosperity to the Arab as to the Jew. <laughs> okay, well, that didn't, that didn't pan out. He said that in 1941. But yeah, this is interesting in his sort of section about his uh, tutelage or his uh, sponsorship, I guess, of Elizabeth Taylor. He gave four-year-old Elizabeth a horse named Betty as a gift, which she would ride bareback throughout the property. The Taylors asked him to be their godfather, after which he became an important influence during her early life. At one time, while Elizabeth suffered the first of many near-fatal illnesses, Elizabeth begged her mother to please call Victor and ask him to come and sit with me. Cazalet then drove 90 miles through thick fog to be at her side. When he arrived, he recalled her mother. Victor sat in the bed and held Elizabeth in his arms and talked to her about God, and soon the fever had broken. Interesting. Uh, I mean, I guess four-year-olds are curious about God, so fair enough, but it's like a weird yeah. quote. Uh, yeah, do we still know God if, said like, that there needs to be a Jewish state. I don't know. But, do we still uh, know if this question is, like, actually asking about the Elizabeth Taylor? I don't know, but I don't I know who find, else it would be asking about. Uh, is there um, a woman that maybe, like, he collaborates with called Elizabeth Taylor that... Um, know, if like you Tracy search Simon Elizabeth Taylor's thing. Secret Son blog... But I don't even find him There's writing nothing. anything about the famous Elizabeth Taylor. I'm sure I wouldn't be surprised if he had, but that's very weird. It's hard, hard to track down. Yeah, I, don't I don't know, know. what Maybe they're he referencing. he just wanted to do. Well, I don't know if there was like any kind of, but I mean, that was something that I always found to be weird about Elizabeth Taylor was that she was like a rabid Zionist. Yeah, there, I mean, there's a lot of weird things about Elizabeth Taylor. Like, oh, well, that's the only like one that married I married eight times. She married like one of the Hilton heirs, and then uh, I forget if there was a thing with like her father, or if I'm thinking about a different actress of that generation who was like maybe kind of groomed to look like her by her father and stuff. Like, just a lot of such shit. But anyways, let, maybe let's talk about like what do we think about Secret Sun blogs, Grand Unified, Synchro Mystic Conspiracy, since we already um, mentioned uh, a little bit of it around the time. Yeah, issue. I mean, I think that there's like some good stuff on that blog. I mean, I feel like if like we or uh, for, speaking for myself, like I feel like if I like, agreed with like all those blogs, there'd be like less of a reason to like do the podcast almost like because, you know, obviously. I don't. Sure. I mean, yeah. I think there's. I think there's definitely some interesting stuff like that, uh, or uh, like interesting directions at least that he brings up. Like, I think that there's like cool stuff on that blog uh, or interesting ideas brought up. Do I like agree like with the idea that like uh, they all like you know all the elites like worship the Nephilim? I don't know. Like, not necessarily. Yeah, yeah he he think, he thinks they're they're they worship the Watchers. Yeah, who are. Right, basically, the, the, oh, well, the fathers yeah. of the Nephilim, I guess. Right, right, right. Yeah, mm -hmm. but like, yeah, he's all. That's why he says it the one. It seems like symbol. he kind of, yeah, he conflates them, right? Like, or he seems like they worship giants as well. But maybe, maybe I, I misunderstood him. The, yeah. You could be right. I'm not. I'm not entirely sure. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I've read some Secret Sun stuff. I know there are some Grotto heads that are big Secret Sun heads. At, mm -hmm. You know. Especially around, uh, I think, like the Chris Cornell stuff. I think he, he posted a lot of things. I just signed us up for his Patreon. So I think I'm going to take a little more looks because I'm kind of interested. But I do agree with you that there probably are points of difference. Mm -hmm. You know, I think I think in some ways, like Secret Sun, maybe I'd put him in a category uh, somewhat with like Vigilant Citizen and somewhat yeah. with like Jason Horsley. Yeah, mm -hmm. where there I there's some areas that. of kind of strong resonance and like I, I'm really fucking with them. And then other <laughs> yeah. times like some of their takes are a little bit like, eh, I don't know about that. Like, 
but I still feel like there's value overall. Like I don't feel like they're yeah. ops or, or something. Or like there's, it's like provocative. Like a lot of the ideas are provocative or interesting or had like interesting readings of. I mean, it's. I almost feel like I might agree more, like in a because Vigilant Citizens' approach maybe has like actually less substance and less like ideas per se. It's just like, look at this, this is sick. Like, uh, <laughs> and so like therefore it's like, yeah, I agree, but like there isn't really like a. Uh, analysis per se being forwarded other than like they're drinking blood or like something you know something like <laughs> no, that true. It's like yeah whereas, i think secrets like, on and horsley both go a lot deeper than that yeah yeah so that's like something that uh is yeah but it's a di- it's a very different type of vibe but like it's easier to agree with like just like you know a blanket statement of like this is sick like whereas you know with the particular analyses like i might have like you know like for instance like saying like oh this is an obvious allusion to kenneth anger where it's like well Maybe, but it's also like a common filmic trope that, like, you know, is much older. Uh, that type. That's of stuff, true. Yeah. You know? like, yeah. It doesn't. Uh, it's not like, like a smoking gun. Like, oh my god, you never would have had that idea if you hadn't, like, if you weren't obsessed with Kenneth Anger's movies. But you know, but like yeah. Secret Sun's also like up to speed. Like he reminded me. I didn't realize it went this deep in San Francisco. You know, we talked in our Kenneth Anger episode way back when about how he lived up there for a while with like Bobby Beausoleil and was hanging out with Anton LaVey and people like that. And Secret Son said that the Ford Foundation like got him that mansion in like downtown San Francisco and like paid Mm -hmm. for all of it. So they were like not just like giving him a grant as it was reported in the paper to make like custom car commandos, but uh, they were like bankrolling kind of his whole lifestyle as well as his film projects, which were all like Luciferian rituals. Mm -hmm. And he said also, he said the Ford Foundation and the Getty Foundation, I don't know if it was actually called the Getty Foundation, but basically, I mean, we've gone over that, how like the Gettys ultimately became like his chief sponsor for decades, all the way up through Mass Heaven, you know? And uh, and what was it? What was it with these billionaires that like was so interesting about what Kenneth Anger was doing? Right. Mm-hmm. So I think th- in that sense, it's like worth paying attention to when you see kind of obvious like I mean, just because the overall vibe is so satanic of like that performance that when you see certain signatures that might be because, you know, filmmakers and dramaturgs and people like that, they do pepper uh, their, you know, creations with. Yeah. Of, no, I think that that type that of like. analysis like is interesting. I think that some of the connections that might be made like are valuable. Yeah, it wasn't quite it's strong just- enough in the case of the tunnel ceremony where I'm like, oh, definitely. But I definitely see like a similar wavelength where yeah. I wouldn't be There's, surprised we're definitely at on a all. Similar wavelength in some ways, but I I feel like I. I don't know. I, I do disagree on like some of the particulars, like some of the. Well, what about like synchro mystical, like the grand unified synchro mysticism? I, I don't feel like I'm well versed enough on. I kind of know what they mean by that with the secret son, but I think there's he's probably talked about it like a lot. And uh, I assume that was like to do with the the notion of like the Nephilim is like what explains all these things. But maybe I'm. Maybe I'm mistaken in that. I mean, I did see that, like, he kind of, like, fucks with Alan Greenfield a little bit, like, or had had mm. him on his podcast or something, which was like, eh, I don't know about that. Um, yeah. Like, but, I mean, I he, he but, does like, have... I don't, I don't wanna, I would like, say, you know, uh, yeah, yeah, we but, are also guilty pretty much of everything that, like, we could say about Secret Son one, at one time or another. Yeah, like, but I, I do think that there's a certain... Kind of like we talked about with, like, Hellier, he has mm-hmm. a certain kind of thing where he focuses a lot on synchronicities and the meaning Mm -hmm. of them. Now I think 
Secrets on like does a lot more with these synchronicities than like the hellier people where they basically just like soy face and like yeah act like they just met like a a goblin but they didn't you know kind of thing and also Whereas, like it's old like yeah like it's kind of like a ghost hunting show and like they sort of like recoiled from the whole idea that like that basically that there are conspiracies or like that the like, powerful human beings collaborate to like immiserate other human beings which is basically like the entire focus of secret sun so like i'm more sympathetic to like that sort of adversarial approach to like power than i am mm-hmm. to like you know pay attention to me like i'm a ghost hunter you know like there is nothing no for there, sure you know? like also that, like uh, yeah i would also throw like prince ray in this category yeah like, <laughs> assassins and uh-huh. again like not somebody who like i don't always agree when he points uh, out yeah, how sure. many people are jewish but yeah, <laughs> yeah <that's right>. uh, <laughs> you know but yeah. like in general or you know but sometimes he does he will say like he would go over he used to post these articles going over like Super Bowl performances and uh, like, you know, God help you if like Jay-Z and Beyonce did some kind of award show thing. It was going to be like (laughs) Freemasonry, Germanic death cult all the way down. Mm -hmm. But I still like I learned I feel like I learned a lot from like reading, you know, Prince Ray's like uh, very exhaustive like blog pieces over the years, even if sometimes I'd be like, eh, you know, I just asked him a question on Twitter about Crazy Tom Mosher, but he hasn't replied yet. Yeah, it's I true. I mean, does. reading, like, uh, some of the stuff, like, you know, you're, when you're like, that doesn't seem true to me, It like, if you, like, investigate, like, what the actual truth is or, like, try to learn about it, you know, you end up learning a lot. And sometimes you confirm it, sometimes, you know, uh, it turns out not to be quite true. But, I mean, it's still, like, and I definitely, yeah, in terms of what you're saying, like, I think that the approach of, like, analyzing, like, the political content of, uh, like, mass performances or events that have, like, a performative or theatrical quality from like the you know with an esoteric perspective that is like valuable you know you said something like a while ago where we we're talking about like the red scarf killings like the idea of like the killer left his signature or whatever where i feel like you know and peter lavenda i guess you know who also like is, is sus in some ways and mm-hmm. i think we could talk about like his sussness at, at a later time but like his whole idea is like the idea of like symbolic like illiteracy people not knowing what symbols mean but i also feel like there's an, a level to that where it's like the idea of like how symbols work is sometimes like a bit shaky and like it's a like it's uh-huh. people are a bit more like sort of mathematical about it if you know what i mean like where they're like this means this like if you have this symbol yeah it's kind of you know like then this like signifies like this deity or like whatever when actually like it's much more uh impressionistic a lot of the time I think. yeah for sure um, because that that's something i do have a problem with sometimes is saying like you know a certain representation of a deity like where you could make a decent argument that like hey this resembles x y this re- represents you know sibel this looks like pan but then making the jump to and like they're worshiping pan folks like yeah like exactly. they're, like they're doing this because they're worshiping this figure is not always necessarily like the most the accurate like takeaway from the fact that there there could be a few reasons and they could still be sus reasons why they're kind of like deciding to use this type of archetype or character as a and it doesn't like necessarily mean i think sometimes maybe our brain gets too excited and we want to just fast forward to the bohemian grove eyes wide shut ritual where they're all literally being like eo pan yeah you know? exactly and like kissinger and bush are there and like I think there's something we still don't fully know. And maybe it's a testament to how well it is truly occulted that there's like an unknowability to exactly kind of, cause we just don't, these things don't 
really get out. I think on some level, to speculate. I think on some level that's true, and I think that there are like in a way, I think that there may very well be like uh, secret like esoteric beliefs, but almost like I think that the like it is more like cultic in a way, and I think that they're uh, or maybe like more hermetic in the non like you know not in the sense of like hermeticism, but there's like a bunch of different belief systems that i mean we know like this is true like there's reason to believe that because we have like examples of it like nexium or something like that or even scientology you know or i don't even think that I, like you know powerful I, I, people who are scientologists like are secretly like worshiping like jupiter Ammon or something like no like they probably do believe in scientology like in a way like you know when people pick out like a deity who they think everyone worships like they're kind of saying that like you know all the elites worship or something they're saying like the the deity basically has to them become like cognate to like the evil one basically which you know has many aspects but the relationship of people with it is like a bit more complex and i think that a lot of the time people don't deliberately worship it, I mean, I think that it really is like a thing that's like uh, on an ontological level, not on an epistemological level. That is to say, like the belief aspect is irrelevant. Like that, that being whatever your name for it is, exists. And like their the people's worship, whether it's directed towards like themselves or like their money or like, you know, whatever uh, false idol ultimately mm-hmm. like goes to that. Idol worship. Yeah, uh, ultimately goes to that entity, whatever you want to call it. You know, so that I think is like a phenomenon but it's not like epistemological on the epistemological level i think that it's much more complex and i don't necessarily think could be wrong you know like uh, like disagree with me if you want but i don't necessarily think that there is like an epistemological cohesion between like you know every single mass ritual that like is performed like in an elite context or even like you know secret ritual like i don't like bohemian grove that is a ritual and that does have an ideological yeah. content as we saw like in the Grove plays. Mm-hmm. And it even does like refer in some cases. I mean, even the Grove plays don't necessarily have like uh symbological continuity between like themselves, you know, exactly. They're like, very one off. They're ad hoc. Exactly. Right? Like one could even be about pan, but then, you know, it's in a different context in the here, like, you know, even like uses Aztec symbology. So no, it, it, that's yeah, true like, that we didn't necessarily see in our, our, our serving of the Grove plays and their rituals and stuff that we we saw the importance of ritual, but not necessarily a ritual organized around the worship of one particular deity. It was like no. a it was like a, a it was like an ensemble cast of like spooky sus deity mythological figures that they kind of worship from like Minerva the owl to Pan <laughs> to like maybe well, some Greek gods. Like the, the, they didn't really worship the owl though because that's another thing. Like the owl or the sort of winged demon, which is care, took like many forms and really like a lot of the time, like those plays were about. Like, you know, the hero of those plays was God, you know, was like, you know, the Christian God, Su- like superficially speaking. He might have had like an alignment with, you know, paganistic figures. And it was kind of like a very Episcopal type of thing. Oh, but yeah. and I mean, we those were plays from like, you know, the older uh, the earlier period of the Bohemian Grove that we talked about. So like we don't know like what they are today. I imagine they're much more secular, in fact. Um, oh, but it doesn't mean that they. Yeah. And I imagine that they're directed towards like uh but they probably do have similar themes uh it, that uh you can see a continuity with but I, you know i'm just i'm just speculating because uh even though i do, i would like to, to look at those one day we haven't done so yet but i do think that 
yeah, like on one level, like these people are sick and like they it, like in so far like their actions, like their beliefs, like their pursuit of like their own power and wealth and the sacrifice of like people whose lives don't matter to them in the pursuit of that. Like they are like, you know, servants of like, you know, what you could, you know, call, it goes by many names, uh, yeah. you know, but like even like the lower self in a way. But yeah, but I that's agree. like on the onto like, you know, that's like my uh, ontological framework. So I think that their epistemological framework, I don't think that there is one that like, you know, all the elites subscribe to like universally across the world that like the Gotthard tunnel ceremony is like in symbological interaction with well, I don't want to say symbological interaction. Like, I don't want to say they're not in symbolic conversation in a way because, like, sort of mass rituals, like, the world we do live in a globalized world and there is, like, symbolical exchange, but it's not, like, sort of a carefully managed system performances by one cult, I don't think. You know, it's much not more worldwide. loose. It's much looser than that. Yeah, it's not yeah. like, the you know, Klaus Schwab is writing... Like, and then this happens, and then this happens. Like, this is for Dubai. This happens, this happens. This is for Sweden. You know, it's like, yeah, it's not. No, I I think think there are different expressions and variations on it, but I think that's why I don't mind calling a lot of different things satanic. Yes. Because it's less about, like, the actual figure of Satan. It's more that it's just a, a kind of a catch-all term for like the the dark idol that one worships like yes. and even even if it's in the form of like you worship money you worship power it's like secularized in a way exactly it's still kind of satanic unlike well, a, i yeah i mean i believe in the ontological reality of of uh shaitan which is discussed in in the quran and like so for, to me like when people are like no i don't worship satan like you know i just like it, i'm just like an an atheist is about like liberating myself and like do what thou wilt or you know something like that then like that is like saying i don't know like i don't drink pee like i drink my urine or so you know like it's you know, like it's, it's like, like you know or uh, that's like a maybe not the best example or something Watch like I, like this isn't okay. this isn't rape seed it's uh canola <laughs> or like something like, you know it's like that it's like uh no. you know just giving a different name to something that like ultimately on an ontological level like it's the same like the epistemology is different but from my you know in my ontology like they are the same literally like being like blah 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 i'm evil i worship satan and being like blah 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 i'm evil like i worship myself or i worship like this evil entity and he tells me like do whatever you want and like god's not real and like aliens like are here they created you and like everything's fine you can clone yourself and live forever and go to the stars (laughs) and be a god like that Uh to me is the same like even though on the epistemological level yeah it is different but ontologically no yes exactly i guess last thing i'll say you know just like i talked about in liberia there were politicians that were tried and executed for doing demonic rituals and like human sacrificing people to get political power and in that case they probably even though those people were allegedly devout protestant christians of the you know old american variety they were definitely not appealing to god but they also maybe weren't appealing to like the christian conception of satan either they probably were appealing to some version of the bush devil which is kind of commonly what that spirit is referred to if you're Mm -hmm. going to i mean not just people who do human sacrifice like believe in the bush devil but like if you were going to engage in that fringe behavior, you know, there are a lot of different names depending on what tribe you come from and what region for that spirit. But at the end of the day, 
it's like it's basically a satanic ritual because you're murdering yeah. somebody and like there's eating their nothing heart. that prevents you from doing a satanic ritual like i think that it's uh i mean again like christianity is different from from my religion however in both i would say especially in christianity where like being dunked in some water makes you ontologically christian you can't get out of it which i think is true even in protestantism but uh certainly in catholicism i believe that's true but you can totally be christian and worship the devil like i think that you know in the salem witch trials for instance i don't think that anyone thought that those people were those you know women and men uh were not christians but you know that they had made like a pact with the devil and like entered into like his service like i don't know if they thought of their christianity as being like you know voided and same way you can be like a muslim and you can believe in god but you can still do like a demonic ritual if you like chose to do that for whatever reason like muslims like the same way muslims sin like knowing it's wrong uh, i can't really enter the mind of someone who would do a demonic ritual but some people like can justify to themselves i mean i think that people generally believe that like eating the hearts of like people who you murder is wrong <laughs> but yeah. uh it's yeah. like a pretty common moral principle so like people who do that know that's wrong but they justify to themselves like in some way but yeah i think there that must be some way they justify it yeah, yeah i think that you're correct that like you know it's not like what they this this sort of uh belief system or framework in which they did that is not the same as like a different human sacrifice ritual from like a different culture even if like in your religion like you know even if you are a believer in god and the devil and the idea of you know uh, you have like a, a satanology or whatever understanding of satan where like those type of things are of a satanic persuasion because that is what satan represents like those mm -hmm. uh you know dark impulses of humanity to like harm others and like destroy in order to empower yourself i mean really i almost think that even though like travis scott i mean maybe if you extend it into like the people who died building the tunnel like you could compare them but i almost feel like in terms of the ceremony itself even though there was like a, a cackling goat man with like horns and there wasn't necessarily like a if i recall correctly there wasn't like you know an actual like little red devil man or like goat figure at Travis Scott's Astroworld concert, but I would say that Astroworld was in fact like more satanic because like people got trampled and died uh, yeah, while this yeah. fool like you know even though the iconography maybe is less fundamentally spooky. I mean it was many people did find it spooky, but you know uh, I think that it was perhaps like less evocative of the horned goat or the you know things associated with Satan. Uh, in the popular culture and, and historically directly right. but i, I you yeah. know but i think that after what was more satanic because like you well, know, i guess you're right like you have to separate die. the mass uh, the performative mass rituals that involve a lot of people dying like 9 11 yeah. like astroworld and like ones that are just like sus like a vma performance that is satanic or yeah well i mean like this that's the thing, thing like also like i guess people did uh, die in the tunnel like before the performance exactly yeah so, they could die building the tunnel so eh, yeah if you yeah. extend it then it's like a toss-up although like i don't know i mean maybe like it depends like how important the tunnel is or how like it actually improves quality of life or it's just about tourism which i suspect the latter it's just about like you know, commerce and like making money for like certain people and for the state, probably more so. Yeah, than, like, it, like, well, it also thing. it represented the dream of like further EU integration. Yeah, true. Which is a huge um, thing about that tunnel because it went from Italy to Germany through well, Switzerland. Yeah, through <laughs> the yeah through the classical land of Pan to um, you know, I guess yeah, Pan is from Arcadia in Greece, but still, you know, the Greco-Roman uh, Mediterranean to Germany, you know, to the Celtic worlds uh, all the terrains of the the horned 
uh, goat. But yeah, like, I mean, I think that there's like a lot of like uh, satanic rituals that like happen all the time. I feel like, you know, I mean, Broadway, Disney, like, like we're very accustomed <laughs> to them, but like Broadway, like Disney plays are also incredibly fucking sus. And like mm-hmm. have also like, you know, what does the devil have? Like he has a trident, like a pitchfork. Uh, so does Ariel's father. Right. Like, Slava Ukraine. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. He's the original Azov Battalion. Yes. No, no, it's all over the place. But um, well, speaking of cartoons, maybe we should move on to the next question. Speaking of cartoons. It kind of bleeds yeah. over in a certain weird kind of way. OK, so. Oh, yeah, that's me. OK. I think oh wait, no! You actually, read the first one. Yeah, no, you're, right. it's your turn. I, I mean, might be out of order, it. but whatever. I'll no, no, it. Okay. You, it's your turn. Councilman uh, Les Winen on nine one asks. Uh, I have two questions. All right, so there's actually two questions. So the first one is: Can you explain the chronology of the Joker as a symbol? When was it politically neutral? When was it incel? And did leftists adopt it only after libs claimed the Joaquin Phoenix movie was dangerous? E.g. posting a demoralizing news article and saying, I am going to become the Joker. I'm not sure what to make of the Joker as a signifier. Is it richly connotative, ironic, cringe, or what? Well, hmm. it's not 100% clear. I feel like this person is mostly talking about the Batman villain, the Joker, or maybe even more particularly, like the Joker in the Joaquin Phoenix movie. But I find it more yeah, interesting to talk about, about like, the Joker right? as like an archetype. Yeah, uh, I already, I already like, looked like, up the Wikipedia for Joker playing card because where did this come Yeah, from? well, it's interesting that isn't the Joker playing card from tarot cards, probably? Like an like appropriation of the fool in tarot, right? Uh, it's actually from I mean? Euchre originally. And what does that mean? <laughs> like, Euchre what? was a card game. That oh, it was used in Euchre. I see. Weird. Oh, actually, the Joker originated in the United States during the Civil War and was created as a trump card for the game of Euchre. Interesting. Uh, yeah, it was the original uh, wild card, right? But mm-hmm. I, that, that's interesting that just like the, wasn't it the Ouija board that blew up like right around the end of the Civil War? Yeah, the Ouija board did blow up around the Civil War. It is interesting, though, that there the Fool is also a wild card in tarot. So I assume there was some connection. There, um, there must have been some kind of inspiration. Yeah, but yeah, the Joker. Oh yeah, well, the like, fool. Yeah, the the fool is kind of compared to the Joker in in tarot decks. Yeah, I mean, this is just like I'm just looking this up at on Andy's playing card website. No Joker belongs to the earlier Arabic tradition, nor to any other archaic playing card systems known as Chinese domino cards. Damn, I would love to see some archaic Arabic playing cards, but it's neither here nor there. But uh, this says the ancestor of the Joker is the classic tarot's fool. Because the fool was a trump card, even though it's included like in the major arcana of when people do divination with tarot. I think in the actual game, it's like kind of has a joker type function where it's like a wild card. I think. Again, I'm not an expert on the game or even really tarot divination, although I know more about the latter. But yeah, well, according the fool tarot card, according to Wikipedia, in decks designed for playing traditional tarot card games, is typically unnumbered as is not one of the 21 trump cards and instead serves a unique purpose by itself citation needed but i assume that that you know you wouldn't lie about that but anyway so, so yeah the joker card i feel like that is maybe where the batman villain's name comes from but i mean like jokers and jesters really if you look at like the picture of the italian joker card on the wikipedia article like the jolly that's like you know a harlequin right like which is yeah uh you know the harlequin in like commedia dell'arts uh or the yes. jesters motley that is basically like a uh, an evolution of like the the role of the devil like in liturgical drama like the sort of harlequin clown which you know and even joker's uh 
girlfriend is named Harley Quinn, right? Oh, yeah. Which is a reference to the Harley Quinn. And the, you know, the Harley Quinn kind of did evolve in its role, like, in Commedia from, I mean, there's, there's, like, some other, like, uh, precedents, but I think that even in, like, the Roman plays, like, the sort of uh, Plautine and, and Terentian comedies, you have, like, kind of a, the pseudolus, but he's not really like the Harlequin the way that you see him in the later Commedia, like, in the sort of uh, late medieval Commedia, I don't think. And that, I think, does come more from, like, the sort of role of the devil in liturgical drama or in some, you know, because he's, like, you know, a trickster and everything. Um, he's an archetypal trickster. Yeah, exactly. Basically. Well, um, let, let's yeah, talk the name about... Yeah, is taken from that of a mischievous devil or demon in, the, in popular French passion plays. There so you there go. you go. Yeah, yeah. Alakino, a devil. But anyway, yeah. So well, let's talk I about, let's that, talk about the, jo- oh. the Joker, because... Well, I think it, that the Joker is a... A development of that tendency which is the sort of uh, clownish aspect of the sort of devil character i mean joker is an evil clown so yes. i feel like that sort of evil uh idea is like embedded inside like the harlequin that becomes like the archetypal clown and so you know i feel like people think of the evil clown phenomenon as being like relatively new or maybe mm. having to do with it or something mm. when really like that mm. note that association with like clowning and like uh satan or evil is yeah. like, you know, a, a, a very long present thing. And the Joker is just like another expression of that association. So I think, but in terms of like the Batman villain, Joker, have leftists adopted the Joker? I think it's just funny. Some I, people I, when say I first so. saw that meme, I am going to become the Joker, it was associated with a picture of Joaquin Phoenix. And I thought the joke was at first just that it would be funny if in the movie, like Joaquin Phoenix is an on the nose line. Like, you know, because of course, like, the, <laughs> I am you going know, to become it, the Joker. Yeah, exactly. Like, it will be funny, you know, the same way it's, it's funny to imagine people like saying the title of a movie or something. Uh, yeah, you, yeah. Like, I saw a similar meme where, like, it is, we talked about the Matrix earlier, where like Agent Smith is holding like Neo's head down on the, on the tracks, and you know, uh, he's like, it's over, Mr. Anderson. And then he says, my name is the Matrix. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> yeah. I thought it was like a joke in the same type of genre as that. Like, you it know, might have so been, but it then, would be you funny know, it, if it were on the notes. But yeah, it then people quickly turned into a meme uh, like i think it was uh i think kind of around like the sort of like chapo orbit of twitter of like dirtbag left twitter i think the joker became joaquin phoenix's i remember that uh, a symbol i didn't hear the episode but i remember hearing that matt christmas of the movie joker had quote-unquote perfect politics which i was like that movie had politics like it was for tar sorry it was uh (laughs) oh oof Uh, excuse me it was whoa uh that was yeah i'm sorry i'm 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 sorry it was you know a very dumb movie i thought it sucked it was very bad i like the fact that people like simped for it i think that there actually was kind of to get to the sort of uh, a question of like what were the politics of the joker i feel like almost yeah i think that this person actually is right that because there was sort of this idea that like there was going to be a mass shooting at the joker that made people pretend that joker was a good movie uh, was that similarly an, to like how people hate marvel movies so that they become campaign Maybe it's, it's similar to the way that like people hate Marvel movies. So then people pretend that the, the DC movies are good because they're like hardcore and like for grownups kind of. I don't know what the that's definitely what is. they're I think going it's just because for Marvel and or like it's more uh, I don't I, I can't even get into the mind of someone who is like saying like, oh, Zack Snyder's movies are good or something. You no, know? but Joker uh, Joker signaled a new direction for DC where they and they, they've repeated it with this new Batman movie that came out where it's going to be like one off kind of more prestige adult oriented. 
kind of version. I don't think versions. that is going to be a one-off like the Walking Phoenix movie because they're definitely going to have a sequel to the Robert Pattinson Batman. For they sure, might. With Robert uh, actually, Pattinson and like what's I'm not his sure name? they have. No, you're right. They might start a whole new sequel. But like in sure general, in um, general, those two movies are an example of like trying to make the material more like adult and like serious. Well, I think that. Yeah. Well, I think that Joker, like, you know, they approached someone approached them with Joker and they did it because like they felt like the Zack Snyder movies was, were a disaster, which they kind of were. Although mm. I guess it was partially Joss Whedon's fault, uh, you know, who also like sucks enormously. So they 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 were kind of in a liminal period at the time where they weren't sure, but they wanted to keep pumping out these movies because people will see them. And they're very like, but I do think that ultimately they they want to have like the DC universe, like where. Robert Pattinson, Batman meets Superman and like all that stuff, you know, they just, they tried to rush it because they were so behind and that, you know, it didn't work because like, you know, you have to lay the groundwork, I guess, as you do in any kind of story, whether it's overarching or not, but whatever, I feel like that was basically, but I think that the Batman, Robert Pattinson thing, they're going to try to run with that, like for sure, I think, which is another movie that I thought was so like, bad i laughed yeah. so hard in like the op- the end of the opening scene where like somebody tells batman like you know after the mayor's dead like they say that the kid found him and then like he's looking at the kid and then nirvana is something in the way he starts playing oh and it, like cuts God, back yeah. to like emo batman <laughs> yeah so fucking funny i did appreciate that it was like an element like it was like you know it was sort of like a diegetic element that batman puts on eye makeup because, yeah. like, Batman usually does have eye makeup on in the other movies, but it's, like, you know, supposed to be, like, we're pretending it's part of his mask or something. But I like that in this movie. It's just, like, a, an established, like, diegetic fact that Batman, like, wears, like, tons of eye makeup. You know? uh, well, because uh, he's so similar to the people that he hunts and stuff. Yeah. No, it, oh, no. It, it, it was, like, it wasn't the worst thing ever, but Batman still, Batman like, kind of was actually, like, almost playing to the narrative around the Joker movie because, yeah. like, the bad guy ended up being, like, inspiring a bunch of, like, incel mass shooters, sort of. A spoiler yeah. for, like, a shitty movie that I can't <laughs> endorse seeing. And on yeah. top of that, You know, like, really, I can say know. the R word because I have autism, so it's really okay. Although I do apologize <laughs> for saying it. I try to avoid it. That was just a reflex. That's just how, like, like <laughs> awful I thought that that Joker movie was. And I just get angry because, like, people, like, trick me into seeing these things. Like, I listen to these people on Twitter who are like, this, like, slop was actually complex. And it's like, no, it wasn't. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, well, anyways, yeah. But, I mean, okay, so Joker has kind of gone. I mean, we also have to bring up, like, a little bit before it might be easy to forget now, but the Joker already had like a cycle of hysteria around him, you know, around 2012 because like, because of because uh, Heath, Heath Ledger Ledger's died. twisted, yeah. uh, you know, iconic rendering of the Joker. But then because of James Holmes, the Aurora shooter right. who dyed his hair like pink or something like that, like fuchsia. And there was always a weird it's, it's very odd because he went, it was the Dark Knight Rises shooting, which, you know, didn't have the Joker in it, but still was no. a Batman movie. And he did that. And there was the rumor it right was after the Dark it happened. Knight Rises? I thought it was the Dark Knight. No, um, no, no. It was the Dark Knight Rises because it was like mm. 2012 or whatever. Mm. There was that rumor but, that ended up being debunked that he was telling people after he was arrested, I am the Joker. Right. But then later they're like, no, he never said that. So it's very odd. But people almost thought that like, oh, this guy, there was, I think, a little bit of a panic of like, oh, my God, like this guy like wanted to be the Joker. And like that's 
that's disturbing. And like, I don't know, like he was inspired by uh, Heath Ledger's rendering of the Joker, which really, if you look at that movie coming out in the mid 2000s, the Joker is really kind of refashioned almost as like this absurd, like Osama bin Laden type character, like mm-hmm. a total nihilistic terrorist that mm-hmm. and the, the, the core of his terror. I remember people saying that he converted to Islam in prison. Um, <laughs> I remember people saying that. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Well, you know, and so that was kind of around and the, maybe that laid the seeds a little bit. So that when the new Joker movie came around, it really was ridiculous how much people hyped like the U.S. Army sent out memos. That's like attention, like extremists known as all caps in cells, like maybe planning a terrorist attack at the Joker screening. Uh, that was just fucking weird. But then you're right. Like Joker took this turn and suddenly because I guess the movie was really just like a rehash of like Taxi Driver and the King of New York or the King of Comedy. But like he got coded as kind of a character that was just I mean, that term popped up on Twitter and became kind of popular for all, becoming Jokerified, Right. Right. And, yeah. and it didn't mean anymore that you're going to become like a white supremacist, like incel, like yeah. math shooter. Well, it it just meant that was well, sort of like the joke of it that like you're going to snap and like, yeah, you know, yeah. you're going to go crazy and like do something. I feel like that kind of was, like, almost the implication, almost, like, that you were going to be, like, the Joaquin Phoenix Joker. Because yes. that's where being Jokerified like, really came from. And what does like, the Joker, and, and think about it, what does the Joker do that maybe was, like, subliminally appealing to a lot of, like, leftist-type people in 2019? He shoots, like, the smug liberal talk show host like in the head at yeah, the end. Yeah, exactly. Which maybe that's why the people like blue checks in the media found it so triggering. Because it's like if, you know, the Joker like stood up and like shot like Stephen Colbert in the head. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it'd be like that that was like very triggering for them. The other meme of like I'm tired of pretending that it's not. I mean, I feel like that's a very resonant thing. Yeah. I mean, there's many like, you know, uh, compelling memes from movies that are ultimately just like vapid. But yeah, I mean, everyone is tired of pretending something isn't something uh, in their <laughs> lives. So, well, yeah, it isn't. Uh, yeah. You still see those memes like pop up to some of that, but it is interesting how, like, I, cause I feel like in 2016, you would be much more likely to find like a 4chan Nazi or like a MAGA person be adopting the images of Joker, like adopting Joker memes and things like that. Yeah. If they're, if they're using them politically at all. Um, a lot of people were just a shit posting with like Jared Leto Joker for a while. That was yeah. a, a phase. And Jared also, Leto I mean, Joe, uh, Jared yeah. Leto, incredibly sus, like owns the lookout out yes. in Force space. Uh, mm-hmm. Very sketchy person. Now, I mean, the Joker is like this sort of this egregore, this tulpa in our culture, probably one of the most recognizable fictional creations, like almost up there with like Mickey Mouse. You oh, know? yeah. I mean, Batman as well. Like our culture is very obsessed with Batman, which... It's one of those things where, like, you know, similar to theatrical performances or social media in some ways where they have, like, a or the internet itself, like, there's a veil of superficiality, but, like, they're also, like, very powerful and very determinative, like, for whatever reason in our culture. Like, I mean, even I watched that Batman movie, like, kicking myself. I mean, I did also watch the fourth Matrix movie, which also, as I was telling you off the air, made me upset, you know, because I was, like, told, like, you know, I listened to people on Twitter who were telling me that it was worth doing. So there is, like, this uh, powerful hold for whatever reason the figure of Batman and the Joker have on our culture you know even like nick pizzolato like begging yeah your warner brothers or whatever to hire him like for free <laughs> to write his batman movie where batman fights god <laughs> um you know like there's you know, like for whatever reason 
people find it uh, very compelling. Yeah, you know, I just, I just, I, I didn't really realize it, but when you put it this way, it, it, it drives the point home that two different actors have won Academy Awards for portraying the Joker. Who was the? Oh, Joaquin Phoenix won for the Joker, huh? Yeah, I didn't and realize Heath Ledger that. won posthumously for right, supporting yes, actor. Yeah, yeah, I mean, so, I well, mean, it's, like, really interesting. Yeah, I think someone pointed that out. Uh, I saw, like, a, a tweet about it or something where someone was, like, it's really funny that, like, now, like, being the Joker is the equivalent of being, like, Hamlet or something. It's, like, this great <laughs> role where you're just, well, like, do a yeah. voice. And you're, ah, 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 ah. Like, it's, like, it come is. on. Or even Batman itself is, like, a coveted role where it's, like, these are, like, two-dimensional paper-thin characters. Like, I mean... I guess you can do anything you want with it and make it, like, complex. I don't think that the movie Joker succeeded in doing that. I'm sorry. I'm probably pissing people off, and they're like, no, I loved it. I'm sorry. But, as you know... I don't think it was the worst thing ever, but I don't think it had, like... I don't think it had anything what you would call, like, perfect politics. I don't think it had very strong politics, really. Yeah, maybe I, it was more you could like call a, it like on the like fiftieth, like the top fiftieth percentile of movies that came out in that year, <laughs> like maybe. But I don't know. Like, like for a comic, book I mean, if you listen to the show, like you know that I don't like anything. I'm a snob, so it's fine. But we're pretty um, comic book negative on here. In I'm general. very comic book negative. Yeah, I'm just like I mean, I think a lot of people are fatigued with it. So yeah, I mean, why wouldn't uh, rightfully that be? so. Like, but, you know, an- um, another little funny thing I didn't realize, but it makes sense, is that the Joker debuted in Batman issue number one in 1940. So he was like, he's been there, like he's inextricable from Batman, you know? Like yeah. they are the fundamental dialectic of kind of the Batman universe and like they need each other, which, you know, <laughs> has been well, hard to death. that's what they always say, yeah, right? That they, they are, are the yin and yang. Where Batman's like grim and... He's a good guy, but he's dark. And the Joker, like, you know, he's he's light and, you know, comic in his appearance, but he's actually, like, a, st- a twisted, insane. damaged freak. Yeah, I mean, they're, <laughs> like, but they're both insane, uh, which is, you know, I think... They are. I mean, definitely, like, that's the only way that this... None of this makes any sense. Honestly, Batman would be dead in, like, a week. Or people would figure out who he is, because, like, who the fuck has all the money to yeah, jump both, around and, both like, would this... happen. Maybe a yeah. week is, uh, you know, not generous enough. Like, maybe if you truly were, like, this master ninja. I mean, it was it was funny, an aspect of, you know, we're just, like, extemporizing about Batman, so forgive us, audience. But it, an element uh, that I found to be funny of the Batman movie was that something that I feel like is almost sort of essential even though it is like a silly conceit ultimately but still like a helpful conceit to making batman seem plausible for all these movies like you know emphasizing the realism of batman it kind of almost seemed like in the movie the most recent batman movie like batman like didn't really have any like he was like good at punching but he didn't really seem like he was like you know bruce lee or anything whereas i was with the michael keaton batman he would do like more jujitsu type things where like that would almost make it seem more plausible that he could like beat up like 10 people at once or something you know like but instead they just like attack him one at a time i don't know like yeah yeah. whatever but my ultimate point is that like even if you were bruce lee and even if you did have like all this armor if you're like taking on like 10 like eventually like you know arm people and you refuse to use guns because it's like part of your like moral code especially like that's the fucking die. dumbest thing and the fakest thing about Batman is that he never kills anybody because now now they almost have to like modulate like this is the first Batman movie maybe or at least in a long time where somebody like calls him out for his privilege 
you know, when he, he says, oh, right. he yeah. says some like Reaganite line of like, they're scumbags and somebody has to take them. <laughs> and Zoe Kravitz is like, I can, I don't know who you are, but I can tell you grew up rich and stuff. Yeah. Like, and then he finds out his dad was like in bed with the mafia boss and like, there was but all kinds kinda, of weird I thought, shit, yeah, that but was they kind of backed twist. off from that. Yeah, they did back off from it. Like, Thomas Wayne was a good man. <laughs> yeah, like, no, like, okay, like, no, like, he wasn't. Fundamentally, like, there's no, there's yeah. no possible way that he was. It's similar to, like, the dark, uh, sorry, in Batman Begins, where, like, there's that scene where, like, they're driving in, like, their limo or something, and, like, little Bruce Wayne is, like, you know, uh, his dad is, like, that's Wayne Tower, like, the headquarters of our corporation, and Bruce Wayne's, like, that where you work, daddy? And he's, like, no, no, I work at the hospital as a doctor, saving lives. Like, you know, I just let the board take care of that. It's wow, like, oh, wow, me. so he's, damn, like, so he's, like, yeah, a fifth he's just generation. A he's just such a great man. Like, so uh, see, that's the thing that you have, like, that movie, fuck, that director, I'm forgetting his name, but the, he did the Planet of the Apes reboots, which I thought, as far as, oh, like, oh, I'm talking about Christopher Nolan's Batman Begins. Oh, but, no, no, yeah, I know, no, I know, but, but begins, I know, but going but, back oh. to the new one, I, I almost, like, those little moments oh, were, like, he, okay, I thought you were talking about Tim Burton, because he made no. the two, Planet of the Apes from, like, 2001, or Oh, whatever. you're right, they did. Uh, yeah, no. yeah, I got why confused, am I, but no, why am I, I did, like, those apes, those apes movies, those were, those were, like, you know, those actually were pretty good, you know, despite like, so I will, I will concede that I, I like the Ace movies, especially actually the second and third, which usually isn't the case that like the yeah, sequels yeah. are better. No, they were surprisingly um, kind of, um, I mean, the, the second one was pandemic. really good. The third one was pretty good too. The, it has yeah. a little bit of Trotskyism in it, like crypto Trotskyism <laughs> okay, yeah, because well, Koba is the evil fucking <laughs> right, ape that right. tries to like, mm-hmm. but it also is kind of like based Lenin Caesar is like the ultimate wise ape and <laughs> yes. like, but then it's like St- the Stalin ape who's been like so scarred like has to fucking overthrow him and like have a tanky ape dictatorship but overall uh matt reeves that's who it is i mean kind of like denis Veneuve, like a, a good workman like big budget director you know mm-hmm. um maybe not like fully an auteur but yeah like i i mean they they hint at yeah like maybe your dad was like a corrupt like maybe your dad had something to do with all this fucking corruption like Bruce, like read Gustavus Myers, like the whole frame of Batman's like worldview beyond just like being a masked vigilante is insane. Like the role that he feels like he has to play and like, why is Gotham so fucked up and all these other things. But then the more you do that, it kind of complicates like making Batman like really a hero because it's a fucking children's story at the end of the day. Yes, it is very, it's ultimately like juvenile and doesn't like sustain like a rich, complex narrative. But I mean, yeah, I mean, two things I will say, I did appreciate that about the new movie Two like sort of uh, little plot elements is that I did like that Batman did not reduce crime and in fact caused crime to increase. Oh yeah, yeah um, cool. which I thought was <laughs> there was another thing that I liked about it. I forget I forget what my other what my other point was even going to be. But the I end remember- when like the goon when they get the goon and he's like I am vengeance and Batman's like no and then like something in the way starts playing. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> they, they love to play something in the way. Yeah, I love I kind of love it. I kind of I don't know why. It was so but funny when Batman so funny. decided to spray paint the floor of his house in order to map out, like, the conspiracy, it's like, get some corkboard, like, you're rich. Like, you don't need to destroy the floor of your house. Well, he is he is. I guess truly he's so like, rich that yeah. he's, like, opulently wealthy that he's going to be like, Alfred, like, get some paint and, like, redo the floors. Like, I, I use them for a conspiracy map. Uh, like, what I if mean, someone came over, like... 
Uh, I have to say, I like Robert Pattinson, and like he he could do a probably better job than most of conveying like the deep mental illness of like this. Robert Batman. Pattinson like, is good at being like uh, sick people who hate themselves, but like yeah. who were <laughs> likes for some reason like revered by everyone around them. His role as Edward Cullen in Twilight definitely well, prepared yeah, him for like, that. Equally attractive and like dangerous. Yeah. Yes. Anyway, so that was a long digression about Batman, as I anticipated might happen, but yeah. uh, you know, Batman Endless Fig is more complicated to unpack like uh i thought it was interesting when like the idea of like the fl- like in christopher nolan's movie to give him credit like he had them go to the opera like uh, die flugelmouse when in the stories they usually go to like zorro or something right it's die flugelmouse is what it's called right i guess um, yeah it's like the which i guess is the the bat uh yeah fleeter mouse not flugelmouse i was getting confused with the flugel rods uh, from flugelrod, uh <laughs> from the antarctica but <laughs> often you have like you know the bat costume so i found it to be an interesting choice you know i feel like that's 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 maybe something to there's something there with like the resonance of the character of batman i mean he kind of also refers to like you know zorro of course is like a a prominent precedent or like maybe the scarlet pimpernel or something like that these sort of like the three musketeers you know these like caped caped crusaders like the joker is almost more transparent in a way because i think as we said before like this idea of like the uh insane clown you know the the dangerous clown the danger mm-hmm. of the clown himself you know there was even that like epidemic of clown sightings that happened yeah in 2016, in 2016. Yeah, yeah yeah right yeah i mean those weren't yeah. joker style clowns they were more like john wayne gacy yes exactly but clowns, i mean but. yeah i mean john wayne gacy like the same way that they were like oh what if the riddler were a Zodi- the zodiac killer i feel like the natural like you know analog to the joker is john wayne gacy like in a way <laughs> Uh, they would never do that, but like, you know, that's the, I mean, they're kind of the same phenomenon. The, like the sort of, uh, uh, ambiguity of the clown or like the, you know, the reason why John Wayne Gacy dressed up like a clown was because of like the balance or it's sort of the, the contrast that it, it created with like, I mean, it wasn't just well, the, a matter of like disguising himself, even though it did work the false sense of security, like he being, yeah. But there was also, I think, a compulsion yeah. behind it of like, you know, like this is so sick. Like I'm a clown, but like I'm evil. You know, I'm a, like, a children's like birthday party. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, like he, there's a perverse thrill to it, which I feel like mm-hmm. is part of the appeal of the idea of, of the evil clown. So, but in terms of like the, I mean, I think it's kind of I think that the idea of the evil clown is richly connotative. Uh, I yes. think that that's like a symbol that will like stay with us like, forever, and you can always catch in like different contexts. And it really is like a very like old idea that has like expressed itself like in many different ways. And I remember there's that one writer who I forget, like uh, who talked about like the evil clown as being like the icon like of our times. Oh, who, yeah, like, I do vaguely uh, remember that. Yeah, I forget who it was. There's one writer who sort of like speculated or had, had sort of interpreted it in that way. But uh, yeah, I mean, it is like a, a very like potent symbol that I expect like we will see more of and has existed for a long time. But in terms of like, I mean, I feel like the uh, it's, I, I don't know, I personally find I mean, some of the Joker memes themselves in isolation are funny, but I, I do find like the the comic book stuff to be cringe itself. I don't know. Sure. Like I, it, I would lean on the side of uh, it being cringe, though. Apparently, here, I, I do notice there is a, I guess, uh, an academic book called The Joker, A Serious Study of the Clown Prince of Crime <laughs> by Robert Wiener and uh, Robert Moses Peasley. And I, I guess in that, they analyze the character as a Marxist. 
uh, opposed to the ultra capitalist Batman, arguing that mm. anarchism requires the rejection of all authority in favor of uncontrolled freedom. The Joker rejects most authority, but retrains his own, using his actions to coerce and consolidate power in himself and convert the masses to his own way of thinking while eliminating any that oppose him. In The Killing Joke, the Joker is an abused member of the underclass who is driven insane by failings of the social system. The Joker rejects material needs, and his first appearance in Batman Number 1 sees him perpetrate crimes against Gotham's wealthiest men and the judge who had sent him to prison. Batman is, yelth- is wealthy, yet the Joker is able to triumph through his own innovations. Okay, I, I would have to take... Oh, actually, like that paragraph started rather than the typical anarchist interpretation others have analyzed him as a Marxist arguing that anarchism requires the rejection of all authority in favor of uncontrolled freedom. Oh, interesting. So these people are saying... But I also feel hmm. like to your own authority, if you're a psychotic clown whose view of the world doesn't cohere at all and is based on, like, you know, like poisoning people or, like, making all the fish look like Joker fish or whatever the hell, <laughs> like... I mean, also the Joker, like, varies a lot, like, between, like, different interpretations, you know, like... Yeah, uh, there's so definitely a like working class kind of vibe. I mean, even they did it with the Riddler in this new one where he's like a poor orphan and Batman's like, oh, I was an orphan too. And he's like, doesn't yeah. count, you, you know, which is true. You a real orphan. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I mean, they yeah. kind of sounded the same, even though I know he's not the Joker. That's my, that's my own yeah, Joker yeah. voice. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm going to be cast in the next one. Yeah, um, I don't know about Marxist, though. That might be a little bit of a stretch because he is I mean, kind of the kind ultimate of like a, anarchist. A slur the against Marxists almost because, like, yeah. ultimately the Joker is, like, a maniac who wants to, like, c- commit murder and just kill people wantonly, usually. Like, usually kills his own underlings, which I guess makes him just like Stalin, you know? Um, maybe <laughs> yeah, that's what they're thinking. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, yeah he just like, murders um, everyone who works for him. Um, but he is kind of like an but, indi- like, a, a radical the Joker, individualist. The Joker like, will do it like just for fun. Uh, you, yeah. You know, like he'll just be like, hey, like, you know, bang, you're dead. And like, shoot, like a random well, yeah, I mean, that's what, <laughs> Whereas, yeah, like, that's oh, what, what Barry used to do. Too. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. If you read um, Simon Seabag Montefiore, uh, yeah, the, the, yeah, Barry would do yes, that every day. He, yeah, he had a uh, an electric buzzer that actually electrocuted people, and he would shake hands with them, and be like, "Wow, what a handshake, comrade!" <laughs> yeah, he had exploding whoopee cushions, and yep, exactly. Uh, that's exactly what Barry was like. But um, yeah, I mean, like, I don't know. That's the type of shit that's like, yeah, like uh, it's sort of like the perfect politics of the Joaquin Phoenix movie, where it's like, okay, like it had perfect politics because why? Like this dude was. Help me out here a little bit. Like maybe he was, I, I, is it because it gestures that he, like, he was failed by the social system. Yes, and yes. that's what made him. And then he was mocked by you know Stephen Colbert, and yeah. that made him like you know by the libs, and that made him go crazy. I mean, like, honestly, coming out the coming out the year that it did in the fall of 2019, I think what people saw in that was like the Joker in 2019 stuck it to the libs, and he pissed off the libs, but was also doing it in like a Bernie kind of way because he was highlighting social and economic inequalities and it culminates in him shooting Stephen Colbert basically, you know? So it was I like, mean, it was I all guess. about owning the libs like in the democratic primaries and the Joker became kind of like this confused avatar for that a little bit. Like, you know, Robert De Niro kind of represented like Pete Buttigieg, like Liz Warren, like Joe Biden, all these people. And I guess, yeah, I mean, although I mean, I'm I feel being like it's charitable. Kinda, but yeah, I mean, like, I feel like it's not really fair to compare the Joker to Bernie because Bernie is ultimately like, I mean, you could critique Bernie for being like ultimately a sheepdog and like an ineffectual old man who mostly like talks and gives stump speeches. 
Wait, Sorry, not Bernie, but like the archetypal dirtbag Bernie bro, like in Brooklyn or something. Or, well, I mean, really, like, you know, I have to say, like, if you really were going to compare the Joker to someone, like, he would be more like a, I don't know, Trump. like, he, a mass He would be shoot, a Trump a card. Sh- he would, yeah, he would oh, be a Trump or- card. Yeah, well, he would be like a mass shooter. Like, I mean, you know, he did kill someone for mocking him, which, like, is yeah. mean, but, like, not really. Like, you know, that's not what you're supposed to do. I don't think that that is a justified response. Well, remember um, that he starts that a riot? wasn't guilty. Yeah. yeah right. He starts a riot. Yeah. And then, like, yeah, I mean, well, maybe that's Wayne, the, the maybe idea that that's Thomas the Wayne critique. is, like, guilty, but, like, is that's what's the critique? Well, um, the critique is that, or uh, this is the critique that I feel like it, it maybe doesn't go far enough, is that at the end of the day, he does this great revolutionary act. He does propaganda of the deed by assassinating a lib blue check comedian on national television <laughs> yes. and starting a riot of like copycat artists to like burn down the city. But it's really like he's taking out his rage, much like many kind of currents of the dirtbag left. Uh, and I understand why they do this. They go after the media personalities, the figureheads. Let's dunk on these op-ed columnists because they're so stupid and they are stupid, but you know what I mean? It's like, that's the culmination of like revolutionary action is like taking out a blue check. I mean, who is like honestly, insufferable though, if I were going to make a case for the movie's politics, like, and say the movie had good politics, my argument would be that, which, you know, I ultimately think that like the little guy is oppressed and like, you know, the, like that's basically every single movie. So it's not really like, you know, unique in a way. I'm sure that like, you know, Spidey has those politics too. I mean, maybe not honestly, no, but it's a little okay. more pronounced than this. Yeah, like, uh, it's true, but a lot of movies, like, have that theme. It's basically one of the, like, uh, you know, and it's often kind of insincere, but it's one of the oldest themes in, like, American literature and film. Like, you see it all the time. Like, it's not, you know, groundbreaking to have, like, the idea that, you know, the little guy is being failed and the consequences on the system, like, are, you know, the Joker's the forgotten man, and then, Mm -hmm. you know, the forgetting the man eventually leads to consequences. But, yeah, my argument would be that, by forgetting the forgotten man like they have reaped what they sowed and like you know what the joker did though would still be bad like that would be like it was what they did was bad and that was a consequence they caused this to happen they got blowback but i wouldn't like hold up the joker as a hero he would be like still a bad guy and a symptom i mean ultimately the joker isn't even acting rationally because he hallucinates and very mentally ill. Yes, he is. So like, you know, I mean, I mean not to say or that he's definitely going to be judged yeah, that way I'm, by I'm society. I'm getting myself in trouble uh, uh, twice here, but you know, not to say that like, you know, everyone who's mentally ill is, uh, you know, not responsible for their own actions or whatever. But the Joker is, you know, uh, a, vi- a violently psychotic and like having complex hallucinations of entire people. So yeah, I wouldn't say that he's like a role model. If he anything, fits it's like a the cautionary tale. Yeah, he fits the historical archetype of like the tragic, deranged, like lone gunman political assassin. Yeah, that, I mean, the, you know. right? Of course, the Joker was. Uh, yeah, I, I remember that aspect of the movie too. That it was like supposed to be the seventies, which is funny because, like, I guess the justification for that would be like, oh, you know, and then the present day Batman's going to be an adult or something because Batman's a kid in the movie. But the Joker would be like sixty or something when Batman was. I like, guess yeah. if it, like you compare it to like Jack Nicholson then I guess these things yeah. are all these things are all flexible basically but yeah maybe yeah but anyway like uh that was another aspect of the Joker that like you know really underwhelmed me about it was that it was like so unique like there's never been a comic book movie like this but like only because 
Well, there's only never been a comic book movie like this because it's ripping off a bunch of movies that weren't comic book movies, like shamelessly. Scorsese. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, so it was kind of just like, like, you know, wrote Taxi Drive, King of Comedy, doing these like retreads. So it's just like, all right. It's like, also interesting but, that that Joker movie was made by Todd Phillips, who I think came up in our punk episode as the, like, I think as his like NYU thesis film was the Gigi Allen documentary. Oh, interesting. I remember like hearing yeah. his like quotes about the movie, giving himself a pat on the back about like how much he subverted Warner you know, Brothers, the comic book film or whatever. Well, it's just the it's and the eternal march. It's the DC version of the eternal march towards extending this kind of entertainment well into adulthood by making like a hard R comic book movie. Yeah, cool. It, it did accomplish I mean, that. So well, there was already what's there's already Deadpool. Talk about like a wacky guy. God, I fucking hate. But Deadpool. um. <laughs> Yes, yeah. I mean, like, and I can, uh, you know, I, I can understand, I mean, I wouldn't say, like, you know, I would not, I could never bring myself to a point of praising the film, the Joker, even its politics, like, you know, even its politics, I would never, like, you know, praise it, even though, like, I don't think that its politics are necessarily offensive, I do, I did kind of see, even though, like, I don't think that it was deliberate, or, like, this is really, but I did kind of see what some of the, like, lib think pieces were saying about it, because it was interestingly conspicuous that the Joker was, like, persecuted by black people, like, exclusively for, like, the first half of the movie. Like, In 2019? It, yeah, it is true. You know, I don't think that it was deliberate or anything, or that, like, you know, it was actually, like, about race, per se. I mean, but it's it's hard That's to interesting. miss. It was That's weird. I, like, I a bunch of black teens, like, beat him up huh. and steal his sign he basically got uh, he was oh, a victim of the right, knockout yeah. game and then like he was smart he was a victim of the knockout game and then like he smiled <laughs> right, at like the, the kid of like a black mother and she snapped at him and he was just trying to be nice it's like, interesting his, like sort of it's an interesting through. mirror opposite of like bat every single batman movie where he only conspicuously beats up like white goons from like the 1940s yeah and his thing, parents like, are killed by like the only like yeah, like uh, like gangster, like 1940s style, like the hey, ultimate. Hey, we don't like, like silk toppers. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. We don't like. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Joe Chill. I mean, because if you had Batman going around, it is interesting to think about. Like, if you had Batman going around beating up just like the demographically representative like population of say like Chicago, it would hit a little bit different. I think we could Especially say, right? if he's focused on petty criminals. Exactly. Like, like or like, you know, like drug dealers or something. Like basically Batman is like level. fighting the one man drug war. Like <laughs> of all things, you know. I mean, I guess in the new movie he was looking for a serial killer. Yeah, it was more like hunting the Zodiac kind of thing. You know, like a lot of the time he was kind of like defending himself, really. Like, you know, it was, it was like self-defense. But I mean, he made himself a target by going around being Batman. But like, yeah, and the cops I hate mean, him. In he this also, one. Uh, yeah, well, but they also like kind of like they tolerate him a lot and they like invite him into the crime scenes and everything. It's like kind of weird. They and, do. They complain you know, about it. But like you can't the, help but notice like, you know, that one car chase scene, which, you know, it's very, very I find it very very hard to like I, I feel that it's very hard it must be to make a good car chase scene not that i've ever tried to direct a car chase scene uh, uh -huh. but like i i just certainly find that most car chases are incredibly boring and this is no exception and uh very few that i've seen actually are like arresting and interesting but mm. like i couldn't help but notice during that scene just how much damage to innocent people like batman was causing like yeah. he caused like an entire like truck you know, what about that did not have very politics because like the truckers like were, 
you know. I mean, I even in The Dark Knight, uh, the Joker does bring that up. Like, it, after their big chase, he's like, six cops died. Like, <laughs> like you know, which is like a good, like, they should bring that up more often, especially for, like, Superman, you fucking genocidal maniac. Like, stop throwing, like, space villains, like, into skyscrapers. Well, that and, was like, the whole point they actually, Jack, Batman Zack Snyder did that, too. Right? Yeah, like, that was why Batman and Superman fought, basically. Because I'm honestly Superman, here like, for that. Like, what he causes, <laughs> he did 9-11 yeah. in the Bruce Wayne <laughs> Tower. Yeah. That's <laughs> kind of funny. Um, yeah. I want more of that shit. Like the consequences, the horrible consequences of being superheroes that like beget only bad things like again and again. And there's never the, this movie tried to do it, but the end like hit like something in the way dot MP3. And then he's like, it's really all about hope. Like I can't be. You know? Right. Yeah, exactly. He was just trying to scare everyone. But then he realized that you can't just be scary. You have to inspire hope. It's like. I would never, it's basically just like, you might as well just have hope in the police. I mean, I guess some people do love the police, but like, that's already like a struggle trying to get people yeah. on board with like this, like extrajudicial, like bat figure who literally dresses up like an animal that like a lot of people are frightened of, like on purpose because it's scary. And yeah. like, he's like, I must be about hope. Like, all right. Like, they just I'm sure they, to have, forced, like, an arc to they the forced movie. it. Yeah they, yeah. they forced it to be that, but I think it should have ended with him more insane and unhinged than ever, like more problematic than ever. Like I, I don't to think, double down, you know, I don't think it should have been made. <laughs> I, think there should be, I think they should take a break from making Batman movies or like, uh, yeah. you know, or just do something like really different. I don't know what it would be. I mean, I will say the one Batman villain, you know, people always talk about the Joker being Batman's opposite. And, you know, he was there from the very beginning. But, you know, although I think actually Batman debuted in Detective Comics. So Batman, he number did. one, would not be the first Batman appearance. You're right. right? Unless Joker. Appeared in the, yeah. But no, no, no. Joker appeared in Batman one, which is not I the see. first time Batman right. showed up, but the first dedicated Batman comic. Yes. I think we talked about like the hilarious issue. Oh, but anyway, my initial point was. Uh, people talk about how Batman and Joker are such opposites, but, you know, we've never seen on screen the amazing character of Man-Bat, who is like a giant humanoid bat. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's like a mutant. Where's that? Why, why, where are we going to get that? And also, you know, you know it's been we're a really gonna long get time. It. Don't joke like we're not going to get it in the next five years. <laughs> uh, I mean, at the pace that they're, we're going, you're probably right. I mean, you know, also, like, I feel like, I mean, I'm really not looking forward to this because I feel like it's going to take another, like, five reboots before, like, people find it acceptable. But, like, the subject of Robin has not, like, been broached for a while, which yeah. I feel like is one of the glaring issues of Batman. A billionaire like, has a little, like, 14-year-old orphan boy living yeah. with him, and they go the out. The funniest thing is that, like, he was wearing, like, Batman's dressed with this tactical, like, dark suit, and Robin's wearing, like, a bullseye outfit. <laughs> <laughs> like, <it's> like, <laughs> you know, just in case someone gets, like, a lucky shot off, like, make sure they hit Robin. And it's problematic. Just, like, his ward. It's very problematic. Yeah, it's very it's problematic. weird. And, like, yeah, how he's old? Just, like, he's the boy wonder. Like, that like, is well, not Disney. It's like I just want to build a home for the children. <laughs> I never had a childhood. Uh, uh. Yeah, it's weird. I mean, yeah, uh, I'm sure we'll we'll this will come up again because, like you said, we're probably gonna get five more Batman movies. I do think that they're not. This is not gonna be standalone. They're setting it up. Colin Firth's gonna come back and he's gonna be like, you know, I'm the Penguin. Um, blah blah blah. Is it Colin Firth or Colin Farrell? Colin, I don't know. I guess it was Colin Farrell, if that's who you think. Because, but I got, I got up because it didn't look at all like fucking. He was Colin, it is those, Colin Farrell. It didn't look at all like him. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, he didn't look anything. He didn't look like him. He didn't sound like him. He's coming back and he's gonna mm. waddle around and he's yes, gonna he be. Is. He's gonna be sick. That's another thing where like they're like this movie is gonna really emphasize the detective aspect of Batman. 
And the Riddler had that thing where he's like, it's a rat with wings. And like, you know, it did end up not being this, but I can't believe that Batman didn't think, oh, a bat. And it thought a penguin. <laughs> no one calls penguins rats with wings. That's what they call yeah, bats. That's true. Because yeah, one's a bird and one's a mammal. So it would be a bat with wings. Yeah. I mean, More bats are, yeah, exactly. I mean, another, yeah, they're, right. They're yeah. very similar. I mean, that's like the first thing that, I mean, especially if you're walking around and maybe he's just like so in it that he can't like really see. He can't like step out of it and think like about bats. He's just like too obsessed with them. I don't know. I All right, so. that's enough of that shit. <laughs> that's did we answer that. this question um, sufficiently? Like, did we well, actually? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we I think did. We did. Think we All did. right. Yeah. Get found him. Inside his home in the exclusive 
Crest Hill District. Exact details of the crime still have not been released, but a citywide manhunt is already underway as police and FBI search for the brazen killer. And this certainly is not the first time Gotham has been rocked by the murder of a political figure. In fact, in an eerie coincidence, it was 20 years ago this week that celebrated billionaire philanthropist Dr. Thomas Wayne and his wife Martha were slain during Wayne's own mayoral campaign. It was a shocking crime that remains unsolved to this day.